Oh, for the love of God. Really? I don't know. I just hit the. I just hit play, and it said, "I'm sorry, all wave devices and we even are tested, in use." We even tested. We just tested before. it like five seconds ago. Uh, literally, like like sixty seconds before we came on the air, I tested this. Wait, hold on. Let me uh, let me double check. Let me try this again. Now that we've got all this momentum going. All wow, right. and this is like a, a chock full show. And That's okay. Really... It's all right. You know what? We're not going to let it throw us. We're professionals. All Absolutely. right. And ladies and gentlemen, let's give it one more try as we uh, endeavor to begin this. Today's exciting installment, I say, killing time while I scroll down to the bottom of the screen. Today's exciting installment of the Rick Emerson Radio Extravaganza. The motion picture that shows what America's all-time number one bestseller first put into words. I wasn't much of a man living with you, Needy, but that's over. I'm straightened out now. With that little whore! That little whore makes me feel nine feet tall. Dolls, the instant turn-on. For instant love. Instant excitement. Ultimate Hell. Starring Barbara Parkins as Anne. Good girl with a million-dollar face and all the bad breaks. Patty Duke as Neely, who was such a nice kid. And then someone put her name in lights and turned her into a lush. Sharon Tate as Jennifer. International sex symbol, victimized by everyone. And honey, let's face it. All I know how to do is take off my clothes. The nation's most startling and hotly discussed bestseller, now on the screen with every shock and sensation intact. Now, the all-time bestseller is the motion picture you wanted it to be. Valley of the Dolls. Fantastic, wonderful. Why, hello, how are you? Thank you for coming by. It's nine minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. And this, the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2008, we are live from the plushly appointed yet not only ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It is Thursday. Uh, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503 733 Two nine seventy. By the way, just in case anybody's wondering, I really, I almost did cut out the part where it says Sharon Tate, international sex symbol, victimized by everyone, because it just seemed awkward. But then I decided I had to be true to the trailer. I had to keep our journalistic integrity intact. That's what separates us from godless CBS reporters that go over and get impregnated by married men in Iraq. Oh, all right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you'd like to join us today, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. 503-733-2970 if you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or simple ruminations about where it is that 63 hot dogs go into what appears to be a very spelt man. Uh, so as Sarah said right before we had all the technical difficulties here, so we've got a fantastic show coming up today. It's already just incredibly packed, and we haven't even begun, my friends. Uh, joining us today live in studio will be, let me make sure that I get this correct, 
Live in studio uh, will be Joey Chestnut, who currently holds the title... Well, now I don't even know what the... They say he's the number one eater in the world, but I don't even... I, I want to make sure that I get this... He is an American competitive eater and currently ranked first in the world by the International Federation of Competitive Eating. Uh, uh, and, of course, last uh, Friday, July 4th, uh, he won the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island, eating 63 hot dogs. And it just doesn't even seem possible. When you look at him, it's just sort of a... It is just sort of a question of objects occupying the same space in quantum physics and where they all go. Uh, so Joey Chestnut will be joining us here in the studio later on today, along with uh, Eric Denmark... Who I do believe is like the he's like the world international fish stick eating champion or something. <laughs> he, he holds a record at eating something bizarre. Fish um, sticks? I don't know that it's fish sticks. I, and then we have Rich. Is it Lefave? How would you pronounce this name? L E F E V R E. I don't know. How does Brett Favre spell his name? Well, but that's Brett Favre. That's this guy. I, he's not. He's not. I would say Rich Lefave. Rich Lefave. Well, in any event, I do believe he is the world champion birthday cake eating country. God damn, what a weird country we live in. I mean, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. This country is just like one big weird funhouse mirror. Do you realize that Rich Lefebvre has eaten five pounds of birthday cake in 11 minutes? Do you realize that? Do you realize that Rich Lefebvre has eaten one and a half gallons of chili in 10 minutes? Do you realize that he ate seven pounds and one ounce of smoked pork in 10 minutes? Do you realize that Rich Lefebvre ate 247 jalapenos in 8 minutes? Do you realize that in 12 minutes he consumed 6 pounds of Spam? Anyway, they're all going to be in the studio later on today. I think Are sometime this hour. I don't think so. I would feel kind of corny asking them to eat, wouldn't you? Yeah. Unless it was something silly. Like, unless I could just get like a half a cup of salt. Just be like, eat it now. What else can we get? Sawdust. I'm trying no. to think what we have in the vending machine. Yeah, I can't think of anything. <gasps> what about the fluffer... Fluffernutter. We can make a fluffernutter for them. Uh, we probably won't do any of these things. Uh, so Joey Chestnut, competitive eater, will join us in the studio today. Uh, later on in the program, we will be uh, joined by the one and only Kids of Whitney High. Uh, and Richie Bristol, I, I do believe he's confirmed. Richie, are the Kids of Whitney High going to be performing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, so this hour we'll be uh, talking to and joined by Joey Chestnut, world competitive eater, Rich Lefebvre, world competitive eater, and Eric, uh, Eric the Red Denmark, uh, who eats something or other. So they'll all be here. Uh, we will be uh, joined by CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum as well. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, who joins us from Los Angeles with the uh, latest on the possible SAG strike. Dick Uliano, uh, who will join us to talk about Jesus. You would think Jesse Jackson of all people. And there's many, many decades of public service and public oration would realize that when you have a microphone either strapped to you or pointed at you, the odds are all just always assume that it's on. It's like we tell people here in the studio, even if you don't think you're on the air, even if a mic doesn't appear to be open, even if it seems like we're in a commercial break, always assume that everything you're saying is being broadcast. Keep that in what they call top of mind awareness, won't you please? But How about like, any public place? Or any public place if you ever. Are a public figure. <laughs> I mean, and especially somebody, it's, you know, and especially if you're Jesse Jackson, you say something ill-advised, as he did, and if it's caught on camera, as it was, it's going to be brought, people aren't going to be inclined to just sort of write it off. So, well, in any event. Um, so we'll talk to Dick Giuliano about the latest Jesse Jackson uh, debacle. Uh, and then, amazingly enough, I never thought I would read this headline. 
Ed McCarthy will join us today to talk about how John Benet Ramsey's parents didn't kill her. Absolutely. What's that? It's always a slow news day when you hear about John Benet Ramsey. Except that, but, but I mean, that's huge. But I mean, this is like a definitive, like they didn't do it, which is sort of, I, I mean, which I think, let's, I think if yesterday. If we were to have taken a national poll, I think that we probably would have taken action against that proposition. I was just watching a Family Guy with a Jean Benet Ramsey I reference. I just watched that one the other day. It's where yeah. they're at the funeral, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going, "No, I'm going to look for the real killers." And they're just, "No, no, thanks. No, it's all right. No, no, please, no, you don't have to." Uh huh. Well, all right. Well, in any event, I think they even cleared the kid. I had this friend of mine who was convinced that the son had done it. Uh, all right, so there you go. So uh, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, Dick Giuliano, Ed McCarthy, Joey Chestnut, Rich Lafave, Eric Denmark. The kids of Whitney High. Uh, later on today, we will do a uh, top five as selected from the Annals of Time by Sarah Dillon. Uh, Sarah Dillon will select a top five from yesteryear uh, for us to count down. Jesus, what else is coming up today? I mean, I think that's probably enough. I mean, I got, I got all of these... I got all these weird science questions that I was writing down last night. They were just occurring to me for no readily apparent reason, so we'll try to get to those uh, later on. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Jesse Jackson offers to allow Barack Obama to keep his testicles after all. A case of bike rages reported in the southeast where a motorist was allegedly hit with a bicycle. A Toyota engineer toiling in a hybrid works himself to death. A Boston skipper fans to have slept with Alice Rodriguez, uh, Alex Rodriguez twice. And he's house hunting in Madonna's na- neighborhood in New York. Appearing frail with peeling skin, Michael Jackson seen in Vegas in a bookstore <laughs> being pushed around in a wheelchair in his pajamas. And a Russian woman kills her husband with a folding couch. I just like the phrase frail with peeling skin. All right. Well, there you go. He's frail all over, kids. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm I'm so excited. Are you excited about uh, Joey Chestnut? Are you excited about the kids of Whitney High? Are you excited about all of the above? I'm excited because I'm going to find a terrible top five from um, and play a bunch of songs that I haven't heard since I was, like, in seventh grade. Fantastic. And the fact that the kids of Whitney High are going to be performing in here. And that the big... World's famous hot dog eating guy. Really, I mean, that birthday well. cake thing is actually pretty impressive. Five pounds of birthday cake in 11 minutes. It's just I certainly couldn't me hungry do that. <laughs> talking about this. All I want is hot dogs now. Excellent. Uh, all right, so uh, so we've got all of that coming up. And uh, so let me. Hey, Richie, can you join us in the studio, please? Uh, Richie uh, uh, Bristol will be uh, uh, joining us here momentarily. I think we have a, we're going to try to get a handle on what today's schedule is. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. All right, so uh, what is happening when today? Uh, well, right now, Joey Chestnut should be here, but maybe he stopped to get something to eat. Waka waka. Do <laughs> you have his like, cell phone number or anything? That joke wouldn't uh, have been funny at all, except for the fact that you followed waka. it up with the Pac-Man noise. Not even like a wah-wah, but an actual waka waka. I thought waka waka was a Fozzie noise. Uh, oh, no, it is. It, it's right. Fozzie Bear made it, and then yeah. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. All right. Not so, to be confused with the Weemaway. Not to be confused with the Weemaway. Weemaway. Um... Everybody stop now. Let's, let's all get a hold of her. I can already tell that today is one of those shows that's just going to begin fraying at the edges almost immediately. <laughs> all right. So at some point, I would say in the immediate future, Joey Chestnut will be here. Should be here any second. It's going to you know, be one of those days where if one thing happens later at the wrong time, the entire program is just going to be just going to be like an overstuffed sock. Yeah, because we have like three right. scene and correspondents <sighs> in this first hour. All right. And then the kids at Whitney High are going to be joining us when? In the 2 o'clock hour? Uh, I'm going to be here a little bit before 2. A little bit before 2 o'clock. And are, so am I correct that they are going to be performing here in the studio? Yeah. I hopefully... Uh... Are we... Do we, <laughs> are, do we know exactly how that's going to transpire? Are they going to be singing a cappella? Are they going to be... 
Oh, bringing no. instruments. <laughs> I hadn't, because here's the only reason I ask is I, I'd sort of casually mentioned the idea that they might be singing a little something, but depending on what they're going to need uh, instrument wise, that would be something that we would. I, I would just PA. need to make sure that we could hand. What? I got a PA. Of course you do. Because why wouldn't you? You just leave it in your studio just in case the kids at Whitney yeah. High drop by to sing. Well, Timmy brought it in. I just said leave it because that one time we had a we didn't yeah, all right. something. Okay. So all right. Well, so, so that so it's all I guess going to happen. Whatever it is, it, the rest is up to God as of as of now. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. All this right. This is all very exciting. It is. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Richard Bristol. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, before we do anything else, so Jesus, it started twenty after. Um, so there's a couple things to get to. Uh, one comment from a uh, listener and then uh, one question. And then we're already getting uh, emails for Joey Chestnut today, for people wanting to know various things about him. Um, Rick, this email just says, you make me sick. Two, oh, this is from the recap where I was talking. <laughs> this is from the recap when I was talking about eating uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese. Two this is, at a time. This is the love of the audience, by the way. The subject line is just, you make me sick. Dude, you make me ill. Two boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese in one sitting. Your overeating never was put into such stark reality for me until now. I am a huge stoner, and even after taking bong load after bong load, there is no way I could ever finish two boxes at once. Jesus, you sicken me. You sicken me. You should just take up cigarette smoking and suppress that beast of an appetite. Good Lord. All right. Well, I'm glad I can help, sir. Why does your macaroni and cheese consumption bluster them so? I don't know, and I don't think two boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese is all that outlandish. No. I mean, I'm going to be standing next to a guy who ate 63 hot dogs at a time. Now, let's all get a sense of proportion, shall we? Uh, I mean, yeah, who, who are we to judge other people for their vices? That, that's exactly what I'm saying, Sarah. That's the attitude we should all embrace here on the Rick Emerson Show, you bunch of jackals. Uh, and uh, speaking of which, I never to give out the email address. It's uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T uh, at uh, 970.am. Uh, and finally, I wrote this question down last night around 9.01 because watching an episode of uh, No Reservation with Anthony, with, uh, Anthony Bourdain, and he was going to this cheese-making place in New Jersey, and I wrote down this question. What is in cheese? What's cheese made of? I mean, there's milk. I understand that. Yeah, it's like cur- it's soy milk. But I mean, what else is in cheese? Because cheese comes in a billion different flavors it's and varieties. It's milk and salt, and then it's it's put into like a giant container. But I mean, when they were saying, "Well, this is our uh, gouda." Well, what's in that that makes it different from cheddar? I think it's different ways of preparing it. I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm not. See, that's the thing. Is like that's that was exact because Lara said the same thing. I said, "What's in cheese?" And she said, "Well, milk." And I said, "And." It just occurred to me that I had no idea. Well, like, no, the cheese curds are like the like the starting point of cheese, and that's just um, milk that's been or, or, like it's ferments or curds. Yeah, yeah, it's been in like hot water, right? And it, it makes little cheese like these little um, milk balls, and then it's like rubbed with salt and stuff. And, and so then the, the guy was like introducing. He said, "Well, this is like," and he was talking about like some some some. You know, some type of cheese he had there that it was like that it was really popular that they exported all over the world. And he said, "Well, this is." Uh, it started out as being like a Havarti, and uh, then it uh, sort of got a Gouda-like taste, but now it's really its own kind of cheese altogether. And I started thinking, well, what are the ingredients of that? Like, if you look at cheese, and it says ingredients, milk, and it's just completely baffling. You know what? I actually had a piece of cheese this All right. Well, is that oh, like, but is it like any square saran wrap cheese, I say, as though I don't know the answer? All right. So in this... What kind of cheese is this? This is Colby Jack cheese. All right. And it had, um, how random is that? Uh, let's see, pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt enzymes, and 
annatto for color. See, but I mean, so if you were to put that next to like Gouda, they're two different types of cheeses, different taste, different texture, different flavor, different color. What is the difference? What is it that you put into Gouda to make it Gouda as opposed to it being cheddar? I mean, that's a really simple question, but it's baffling me. It's been bothering me all day. Well, I'm bothered sure me all night. Answer to it. Bothered me People all make morning. cheese every day. All right, let's. Uh, is this Steve Kastenbaum? All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? You know, frighteningly, I think I have the answer to that question. All right. So, what is in cheese other than milk? Well, there's there's live cultures, and those live cultures uh, do have. Uh, they're used in the process. You know, they, they do impact the flavor of the cheese. And then there's, sometimes they put in spices. Sometimes they rub um, uh, brine. Is it brine? Is that the word uh, on it? They, they rub different things on the outside of the cheese during the aging process. Sometimes there's spices put in the cheese. Uh, there's there's different different kinds of, obviously, whether it comes uh, from goat milk or, or uh, cow's milk, uh, will we'll change the flavor. Uh, and you know why I know all this? My uh, my wife's grandfather, God bless him, he's turning 99, is a cheese connoisseur. And he always makes us go shopping at this cheese store. They, he calls it the cheese store in Greenwich Village where we get, like, you know, these really good cheeses that are that are old and been aged that we can't even stand because the smell is so good. Can I just tell you this? It, it really, there are a few things that are my Achilles heel in terms of diet, uh, like cheese. Uh, cheese, which when I mean, people sort of lie to themselves and say that cheese is a dairy product, which I suppose it is, but it's not a, not a dairy product the way that like milk. And cheese is just fat. That's all it is. It's just pure fat, which is fine. I wholeheartedly embrace that. I mean, I know it's made of milk, but to put it to say that cheese and like two percent milk on the shelf have the same impact in your body is just a lie. There's that's that's like if you if you ever read like diet books or if you talk to people about watching your weight, there's this one maxim they always live by in terms of cheese, and it's that cheese is not an ingredient. Cheese is a garnish. That's unless you're me, in which case cheese is sometimes just a whole meal. I mean, really, you just – there have been times – I mean, even now as a grown man, one of the benefits of being 35 is you can just eat however you want. There's nobody around to make me eat, uh, you know, well. There's nobody around to chastise me for snacking. Be- you know what? Not even just snacking between meals. Sometimes the snack is the meal. So – there have been times when it really is just me and a half a pound of cheese and like a big ass thing of wheat thins, and there you go, and then I'm just set for the night. So well, if I have a good if I have a good cheese like a like a really nice Emmental and crackers, that's all I need for dinner. I can eat that you know like pounds of that stuff. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So I was watching this Anthony Bourdain uh, show last night, and they were at some a place in New Jersey of all places, uh, and it was like some cheese farm place like way out in the boondocks. And I got about 10 minutes into that, and, I, it, it was, it, and I'm really sort of lucky. There's a place here called Pasta Works near my house, which is sort of an upscale kind of a deli sort of food market kind of a place. But one of their specialties is they just have this, they just have this glass case of custom cheeses that just goes on, like, to the horizon just infinitely. And after, uh, at about the 10 or 12-minute mark last night, it was all I could do to fight off the urge just to get into the car and go there and blow my entire paycheck on a big block of cheese. So it just becomes anyway. So I we, hear you. you know, if, there, if there's a good Manchego, uh, I you know I'm, I'm done for. So you like Manchego? That's really good cheese. And, and, well, and, and, and just and I'll, I'll be the guy that sits there. I am at the cheese counter also, like some people are at Ben and Jerry's, where I'm the guy on my fifteenth sample. And it's like, you know, I fully intend to buy something, but it becomes sort of some sort of a compulsive thing where you just. Hey, can I also get a? Uh, 
Yeah, just a small. Yeah, just of the. Uh, yeah, the of the Spanish dill. If I could just have a small piece, that'd be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, great. So in just a short while, and I, I think that there's a, he's running a little bit behind, but we're going to be joined in studio here by Joey Chestnut. So. Oh, my man, the hero. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to be talking to Joey Chestnut. will be standing at, next to me in the studio here in just a short while because he's actually here because there's going to be uh, an event. There's a place here called the Chinookwins, uh, the Chinookwins Casino, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a, you know, an eating contest and whatever, and he's going to be there along with, is it Rich Lefave? Is that the guy? Do you know that guy's name? Uh-huh. I think that's correct. He is the world birthday cake eating champion. Right. Uh, and then Eric Denmark, who, you know, ate, uh, who ate something or other. Uh, I don't know Eric. Yeah. Well, I guess Eric is, I guess, so Joey Chestnut is the number one internationally ranked eater. Uh, he is, according to many people, the greatest competitive food eater in the world. Would you say that he is the best who has ever lived? That's what they're saying about him. After, after this year's win, after his repeat performance at Nathan's this summer, just a couple of days ago, they are now calling him the greatest competitive eater that has ever lived. So he may, in fact, be the Gretzky uh, of of eating. Really, just just in the in the, in the annals of eating, there is uh, there is no one who looms as large as he. He is the Wayne Gretzky of the eating world. He he the the Joe Namath of eating. So uh, so before we and we're going to talk about this a bicycle thing that you're covering here in a moment too, because that it sort of dovetails with something that just happened in Portland. But okay. is there anything that I really need to ask him? Anything I need to bring up? Uh, is there any avenue of discussion with Joey Chestnut that I must pursue? Uh, well, we'll definitely ask him this year if it was more difficult to keep him down than it was last year for him. That's because uh, we don't know what happened while uh, while he was backstage for a little while. Right. I'm a little curious about that. Um, you have to ask him, um, how did the sudden death overtime affect him? Because he all of a sudden had to start eating the hot dogs again at the same pace that he did, you know, at the beginning of the 10-minute competition. And by the end, he's eating really slowly. Right. So where, how did he find the, the mental fortitude uh, and the intestinal fortitude to dig deep down inside and and find find the wherewithal to consume those five hot dogs so quickly, already having 59 hot dogs in his stomach. Where did he find the room? Do you suppose that inside Joey Chestnut's brain there's just a tiny little uh, Burgess Meredith uh, with a knit cap which is, come on, Joey, you've got to eat. you got to get in there. <laughs> there, oh. might, there might be. Oh, and, and then ask him if he got to go out with the bunnets after the competition. Uh, please, the to ex- bun- please to explain the bunnets. The Bunnettes are these women who hold up the, the count cards over each competitor's head. And, uh, you know, they're dressed in little mini skirt, like cheerleader outfits. Of course. And, uh, why wouldn't they be? Yeah, and they flip over the cards. You know, they're sort of like uh, the, the round girls in a boxing match. You Can know? I just you know, here in Portland, round girls has a whole different meaning, by the way. Can I tell you this? Here is the reason that I could not be a competitive eater. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say that it's actually a trauma, but I remember being a young man, uh, maybe late adolescence, and seeing the movie Cool Hand Luke for the first time, where, oh. of course, there is the famous No Man Can Eat 50 Eggs. Has anybody done a No Man Can Eat 50 Eggs contest? It must. It must have been done, dude. You got to get on it. You got to look into that. All right, fifty eggs. I'm typing it in as you're talking. I'm telling you right now, that's your sidebar for next year. <laughs> for next year, good point. Yeah, that's. Well, I mean, you could either use it this week or you could put it in the hopper for next Fourth of July. You're, you're, the story writes itself. I can pull out the. Uh, I can. Yeah, I definitely. Oh, geez, all these different cool hand loot websites came up. I'll have to. I'll have to do a little more research. I can't do it right now. I mean, that ought to be a MythBusters thing. I. I don't know if MythBusters has done that or not. It seems like they really ought to pursue whether a man can eat 50 eggs. Well, if, if he's eating, if he's if he has eaten 66 hot dogs and buns 
in 12 minutes, and I'm sure somebody out there has been able to eat uh, 50 eggs. I suppose, but I'm wondering if maybe, this is really just going to become revolting, but I'm thinking that maybe the hot dogs and the buns perhaps are not as dense a food, and so I'm wondering if they can press in your stomach a little more easily than the egg might. I think... Also, the sulfur in the yolk might might have something, you know, might cause a little problem down there. All right, and it really, and for the listeners, I demand to know now if anybody has attempted to eat 50 eggs and how it went. Uh, so you must now call to tell me that. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, but I remember being in late adolescence and watching Cool Hand Luke for the first time, and of course, you know, it's just one of my favorite, like all like all dudes, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I have to tell you, even having seen it probably 25 times at this point, that scene where Luke is eating the 50 eggs and he gets to egg number like 45 or whatever, and um, and and uh, um, it, it, what's his name, um, uh, Wayne, uh, what's his guts, the guy that played Trapper John M.D. on MASH, leans down and he does that thing of going boom and flicking his finger against Luke's stomach. And he goes, he goes, that stomach, it fit to burst, or whatever, you know, and it just, and it, it, the stomach just sounds like a drum head that's about to rupture. Every right. time I watch that, I just cringe, and I find myself hunched over, hands around my stomach in some sort of protective gesture. It's just painful to even watch. Uh, it, it is, and I think I just queued up uh, the quote that I'm looking for here from Cool Hand Luke. Uh, let's see if this is right. Hold on. Let's see if I can get it to work. <laughs> that is not the right what clip. we've got here is... Totally the wrong clip. Yeah, couldn't be more wrong. That couldn't be more wrong. That's, that's couldn't that couldn't be more wrong. But that that's a failure to communicate <laughs> line. Sorry. That's okay. Well, you know, the irony there is you just actually had a failure to communicate the right clip. So <laughs> you're right. You're Bada right. bing. All right. Um, I knew we're sort of all over the all over the map today. Hey, I'm sorry. We were trying to overlap you with Joey Chestnut as as a surprise. We were we here. were going to spring it on you. We were going to try to have you. We, you did actually call, and we were going to try to have him here in the studio when you called, and it was going to be like a this-is-your-life kind of a thing. It's sort of like a Steve Kassenbaum. Do you recognize this voice? Is he not there yet? Uh, no, I think he's running late, unfortunately, which is uh, so it's it's all it's all gone to hell in a big handbasket, Steve. Well, he knows, um, uh, you know, this is one of the few stories of the year where I actually cross over that line that, uh, you know, journalists aren't supposed to cross over and, and get personally and emotionally involved in the story. <laughs> you, His story is it. <laughs> You've embedded yourself in Joey Chestnut's life. I've covered death and destruction, some of the most horrible human tales that can be told. His is the story I connect with. Excellent. Uh, well, it's, well, we'll give him your regards. It just as, as we sort of wrap this up, though, I, I know you are actually talking about uh, this, this sort of bicycle story, and here's the reason I bring it up is because we just had the most we just had the most outlandish bicycle thing happen on sunday it's on the front of the today's the newspaper um about an altercation between a driver and a bicyclist and it ended with the bicyclist who was drunk picking up his bicycle and like savagely beating the front of a guy's car with his bike are you serious seriously it was and and here's the other irony the mo- the guy who was in the car the motorist is the head of a local cycling league uh, he's like a he's like a cycling advocate, and there was a he got into an alter so the so a local cycling advocate is driving his car, gets into an altercation with a bicyclist who was in the wrong and drunk. The drunken bicyclist ends things by picking up his bicycle, swinging it like a bat against this guy's car, and then a mob gathers around, and the cops have to come and break up a near savage beating of the driver who the mob automatically assumed incorrectly was in the wrong. <laughs> 
It's just the craziest thing. So because you guys are just so you guys are just now starting to wade into all of those cyclist versus uh, motorist issues that we here in Portland have been dealing with for a long time. Well, well, you know, here in New York, we've got uh, the uh, cyclist versus pedestrian issue because people always step off the curb and are standing in the bike lane. Oh yeah. You know, uh, waiting for the light to change, and and they're they're every day. We have an incident where some pedestrians been you know run into by bicyclists because they just weren't looking. But uh, this one's a different, kind of a different story. The the Brooklyn Borough President, uh, he already has a fleet of cars. Almost all of them are hybrids, but that wasn't enough for him. He went out and purchased, for official use, a couple of bicycles, and he's asking his staff to go out there and you know if they have to go to a meeting that's in a, a you know a reasonable distance of the office, and if they feel uh, physically capable of doing it. He's asking them to use bicycles uh, to get around uh, the city on official business. If they're physically uh, fit for the bicycle, if the work is not terribly far uh, uh, from Borough Hall, uh, if all those conditions are there, then we encourage them to use bicycles and we purchase the bicycles. Now, the real reason I played that cut is because I just wanted you to hear his accent. <laughs> and that was, that was satisfying. Excellent. Oh, hey, by the way, here's if you want to know, here's a little uh, pullback of the curtain. Uh, so here's what just happened to Joey Chestnut. We're in three different buildings here in Portland. They, right. called the, they called the front desk here at First Avenue, got transferred by mistake to our Third Avenue building, and the, the, the receptionist didn't know any better, and neither did they, and they said, hey, how do we get to your building? And she said, well, here you go. And she gave them the directions, which were to her building, not ours. Oh. So they are, in fact, at a CBS building, just not our CBS building. All right. Well, in any event, well, I I did. I hope that I get points for attempting to 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 marry you via the magic of telephone and radio with Joey Chestnut here for a few moments. You know that really had the potential to be a magical, memorable radio moment. I'm really, really sorry it didn't work but out. But instead, I'm now filled with shame. It's All okay. Right. Just tell Joey I said hi. I will. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Right, Take care, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got a break. On the other side, right, do we, what time is it? We have enough time for a small. Okay, break. we'll take a break. The bow was set straight for the cops. Kid. Really? The cop got scared. The I don't know. I just picked a random bump. All the years if I pull this trigger. So he cold dashed and ran around a wow. top radio into another lady cop. He ran right. Usually I go from the mono bed into this, but since we didn't have the mono bed, grab it. All right. Back after this. All right. Hold on. Let's just stop this. Okay. Is this Dick Liano? I don't know. I don't know. I see a flashing light. You see what I mean? One thing goes wrong, and then suddenly everything it's fine. is just... fine. Just breathe. We can just keep rolling. No, no, no. I'm saying I'd rather have too many things planned than too few, but mm-hmm. it is one of those days. All right. Well, why don't we just... And that was Children's right Story by Slick Rick. Here's the thing is, I didn't put that in the system. I don't even know how that got in there. It's Bump 121. It's a fantastic song, though. That really is a great song. That's a song that doesn't come up often enough. Maybe I did put it in. I just forgot about it. Maybe I got some sort of weird uh, musical amnesia going on. Anyway, so Joey Chestnut and friends are at the Coin Tower. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. Hey, hello from Washington, Rick. How are you, my friend? How's your day going? On a, let me ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, how chaotic has your day been? It hasn't been chaotic, you know, but in this business, it's always interesting. I mean, we're, you come in here today, and it's like, you know, now it's Obama and Jackson, and what is this about? I Wouldn't you assume at this point that Jesse Jackson or anybody, any public official, anybody who speaks publicly, who is a public figure, who is an orator of any stature, you just figure the mic is always on, right? I mean, it's just almost a cliche at this point. I mean, it's really true. And when you think of civil rights leader Jesse Jackson, 
This guy uh, is very familiar with TV studios. He spent an awful lot of time in them the past few decades. You'd think he would have learned, but there he was, apparently in a TV studio, a Fox studio on Sunday, with his mic open, whispering something about Senator Obama that he should not have said. And, I, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know what response the Obama campaign has had to this, if any. I just, the stories are sort of developing so quickly, I haven't really been able to follow. What did the Obama people say about this? Well, Jesse Jackson has apologized for his crude remark about Senator Obama, and uh, the Obama campaign uh, has accepted his apology, and they kind of want to move on. In a perverse sort of way, um, does this, I mean, it's just... Uh, I I don't I just I just I don't even I don't even know there's so many things I want to I want to ask about this but I mean I guess it just it just astounds me at this point though that you would have I guess it is a perverse lesson to everybody though as I said to always remember this because it, it, this is not even the first time I think this year that something like this has happened you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's sort of kind of typical in a way of Democrats. I mean, because they always seem to find a way to beat up on each other or, or do something or say something that hurts each other's prospects. And, uh, you know, this remark, I mean, I, I don't know how far you go on, on your station saying it, but, you know, you know, Reverend Jackson said, I don't know how I could say it, he said he wanted to uh, uh, cut off Obama's uh, dry roasted almonds. Or, <laughs> uh, or, that is know. really, he did, he did uh, using a colloquialism here. Yeah. Or is it emerald cashews? He, he did say, uh, this is, I'm quoting now Jesse Jackson, he said, see, Barack's been um, talking uh, down to black people on his faith-based ellipsis, I want to cut his blanks off. His planter's peanuts. Yes, exactly that. His, uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and, this is, I mean, there was that, uh, un, that unpleasant, wasn't it, uh, was it uh, Wesley Clark just a couple of weeks ago said something that's sort of uh, unfortunate that kind of has this ricochet effect around inside the campaign. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah that's right. Wesley Clark uh, also had spoken up recently and sort of was called on the car, never took back his words. That was about McCain. John McCain. There is a sensitivity, I think, about all of this, but I think also this uh, this particular um, open microphone, hot microphone incident involving Jesse Jackson also kind of points out something else, Rick. It points out, really, a rift between two very important African-American leaders uh, in America right now. Jesse Jackson, who's been around for years and has a, a very huge following, particularly in the Afri African-American community, and the presumptive Democratic nominee, Barack Obama. So they're trying to sort of, you know, dust over it, but clearly there are some differences here between Jackson and Obama. It is, well, it's just as it, there's, it, it, sort of trying to go wallpaper over these, as you said, these these divisions become just like between the Obama campaign and the Clinton campaign, where there is this sort of surface, this sort of very brittle surface politeness that seems to be yeah. happening, and then underneath, there is just all this sort of, uh, you know, swirling sort of discord uh, between the two camps that I, this really, as you pointed out, regardless of one's uh, partisanship, one has to note that this is the sort of self defeating insanity yes, that the yes. Democrats do seem to specialize in. Yes, yes. I mean, imagine this. Not only is this Reverend Jesse Jackson saying something nasty about Senator Barack Obama, but who is Senator Barack Obama's national uh, co-chairman of the campaign? It's Jackson's son, Congressman uh. Jesse Jackson Jr. So he actually also issued a statement uh, sharply critical of his father's remarks, saying his father should not have said that although he loves his father, 
And, uh, you know, there you have it. There's the Democratic Party, you know, that so, is striving for unity, wanting to march forward to beat the Republicans in the fall, but, you know, can't seem to get on the same page. It does, it does really seem at some points uh, like this political season is sort of Aaron Sorkin as rewritten by Mel Brooks. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Take care, Rick. As always, there we go. Thank you. All right. Just... Wow. It's madness. God, I cannot tell you how much I want a hot dog right now. <laughs> Seriously, after talking about it, I am, like, dying for oh, a hot dog. All right. We should take a break here, don't you think? I know. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Joey Chestnut uh, and gang uh, are at the coin tower. It's one of those days. They'll be in the studio later on. Tim Riley at the Ministry. It's almost noon. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Jim Roop and the kids of Whitney High. Not all at once. I hope. Stay there. It's 503-733-2970. Could we be worse people? Probably. I think these are, no, these are questions that everyone would ask. I really don't feel bad. All right. Let's all stop. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Rick, I just have to tell you, I just put together the most fantastic top five. And by fantastic, do you mean awful? If that's what you think I mean by Excellent. fantastic. Uh, all right. In just a moment, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Richie, I'm assuming that uh, I'm assuming that's Ed McCarthy on the warm line there. Uh, later on, we'll have Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, Joey Chestnut, uh, Eric Denmark, and Rich LaFave, uh, competitive eaters. All uh, will be joining us here in the studio here in just a few minutes. Apparently, they got sent to the coin tower by mistake, and so now they are on the way over here. So uh, nobody's fault. Just one of those things that happens. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Jim Roop and the kids of Whitney High will be in the studio. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the South, CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Rick, how are you? I am, uh, it's a good day, but boy, is it a busy day. It's like, it, today, I don't know if you ever watched the old uh, show, uh, what is that, the show Dr. Katz? It was, it's like the whole show is in squiggle vision today. Everything is a little chaotic. Everything is a little out of control. That's the way my week has gone. I, I started, I came back on a Wednesday, and it's just... Totally bizarre the whole week. It's trying to catch up, and it's, you feel like you're behind the whole week. Do you ever have a car that you love driving, and it really is a wonderful car, and you're going about 65 miles an hour down the highway, top down, music up, sun shining, wind in your hair, but one of the wheels is sort of wobbly, and so as much as you're enjoying the music and the air and the sun and the drive and the, uh, the whatever, you got that thing going on, and it feels like at any moment the car might come apart. That's today's show. You say, got to roll those windows up, put the air on. I can't take it anymore. Exactly. Let's talk about a uh, a sentence I never thought I would say. So, John Bonnet Ramsey's family has been cleared 
of any involvement in her death. They have, and uh, that is very big for them. Uh, it could be bigger if they could find who actually committed the murder, but it might take years for authorities to really arrest that real killer. I don't know how it's going to go, but the attorney for uh, the uh, family says that, you know, they are very, very pleased with this whole thing. And uh, they said now uh, there's a uh, – because of a backlog in the FBI's database, the DNA database, the uh, Ramsey family now knows that it could take a long, long time to arrest the real killer. But they say it is a step forward at this particular point. So let me ask you how this works. Is it is it that they – didn't find DNA from the Ramseys or that they did find DNA from somebody who was not them. Yeah, apparently they uh, recently got a DNA match 10 years after the crime. Uh, and, you know, many investigators will say, well, that just goes to show you that, you know, it can sometimes take a long time to to get this done. But there have been a lot of criticisms uh, pointed at the uh, defense in those investigators in Colorado. There's no doubt about that over the years. And so here's, okay, I hate to ask this question because it makes me sound like I'm out of touch and not following the story nearly as often, uh, or as closely as I should for somebody who's going to be talking about today. Are, are both the Ramseys alive? Did, did Patsy Ramsey die? Patsy Ramsey uh, is deceased. Is deceased, okay. And, uh, John, John Ramsey, who used to live in Atlanta, uh, he had a home in Atlanta and, of course, the home in, in Boulder. Uh, he got the news uh, yesterday uh, in Colorado that uh, he's been cleared. So it's obviously uh, too late for Patsy Ramsey, but there were interviews with her, and she was always saying that, uh, you know, she was innocent and uh, how much she uh, she loved her little girl and uh, obviously uh, something that uh, would be the farthest thing from her mind. Let me let me ask you this, this question then. Is it... To, to what degree do you suspect that the next step is John Ramsey filing the biggest lawsuit in the history of lawsuits against somebody? You know, you never know. You just never know these days. And, and uh, also, you never know. Remember John Mark Carr, the guy in question, the guy that yeah. uh, was the one who said that he did it and uh, nothing matched? So, you know, he's he's still out there as well. I forgot about him. What a nut job he was. Well, I spent a long time in Boulder, Colorado, and, uh, you know, was camped out in front of that house. Uh, for so long during the second investigation, but he was finally uh, let go. But this whole thing came down to apparently late last year, uh, the chief investigator here ordering a test that had some new methodology. It's called touch testing on genetic material, uh, found that a pair of long johns that have been pulled over the girl's underwear. So now they know that that material matched yes. the DNA. So wow. it's just... All very complicated, and we'll have to see where it goes from here. But uh, at least John Ramsey now says that he is grateful that uh, there's irrefutable DNA evidence clearing the family, and that's the first step. All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure to talk to you. We will do it again sometime soon. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Rick. There you go. Ed McCarthy, CNN Radio correspondent from the South. All right. I feel like we as a country ought to just send them like a fruit basket or something. Totally. Like, oh, sorry about ten years of saying you did it and all the joking and whatever. That uh, is really awful. I, do you feel bad? Because <laughs> their poor child was murdered, and then everyone has blamed them for it for 10, ten years. Ten years. If you did it, admit it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, you know, so, yeah, well, what can you do? Mistakes were made. Uh, let's true. do these calls, and then apparently Joey Chestnut and company are here. So, uh, having been given the correct instructions to get here to KCMD Portland. Uh, so we'll do these, and then we'll uh, do that, and then other things of that nature. And this is all true. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hi. Oh, hi. Are you on a speakerphone? I was. I'm not anymore. Okay. How can I help you? Well, I am calling from Critter Control. My name's Colleen. And I hear... You're Colleen from Critter Control? Colleen from Critter Control. Calling. Okay. (laughs) What is is Critter Control? We, uh, We deal with squirrels and rats and raccoons and possum and things like that. Things that you always have questions about. Yes. I thought maybe you could use my help. Oh, this is because of the rat in my front yard. Yes. All right. Oh, oh. He did figure out that it's a rat. No, it's a it's a rat. Uh, yeah, my wife and I uh, we put a piece of we were trying to figure out what it was. We put like a like a piece of fruit out there and just sat there immobile for 15 minutes like a statuary, waiting for him to come out. It is indeed a rat. Although I will tell you this, I came by the other day and they uh, uh, what is today? Today is Thursday, so it was either yesterday or Tuesday. Uh, but uh, my wife and I came home and there was a thing that was on our front porch saying that the city also believes that we've got a broken sewer line underneath our house. So that's a lot of fun too. Oh well, then they'll probably take care of it for you. Yeah. Well, let's, let's. So we were thinking about actually trying to give the rat a heads up so that he and his family can flee to the uh, you know the mountains, sort of uh, you know secret of Nim style. Sandy doesn't want him either. <laughs> As uh, in Sandy, Oregon. Ah, mm, all right. Uh, so in any event, the critter I think is probably about to be controlled permanently by the city. But well, uh, that's good. But I appreciate your offer, Colleen. You guys are also wondering where the squirrels live in the winter. Did yeah. you ever figure that one out too? Somebody told me it's in trees, but it doesn't seem like there could be that many holes in trees. Well, they don't live in the holes. Where do they live? They build nests. If you start looking, you'll start seeing them. Squirrels build nests? They build nests In there. trees? And they live in attics. That's what I spend my entire winter talking to people about. Let's get back to this business of squirrels building nests. Do they look like bird nests? Ah, uh, they're more leafy looking. Raccoon nests are the same way. They're just bigger looking. That's pretty impressive, actually, because it gets pretty freaking cold around here. Yeah, well, you know, they're pretty freaking hardy animals. All right, good for them. <laughs> All right, thank you, Colleen. You're welcome. All right, there you go. That's Colleen. Hey, you need to take a breather. Do you want to play some popcorn music for a second? Well, have we taken... Are we behind on breaks? Yes. All right, so let's take a break, and we'll come back with Joey Chestnut and company. Okay. And then, uh, and, and then uh, after that, we will roll into the new news hour a little late, uh, and then we'll um, talk to Jim Rube later on Kids of Whitney High and all this. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Joey Chestnut, Eric Denmark, and a guy whose name is pronounced Rich Lafave, I hope. Uh, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming back. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is rare, my friends, <laughs> that these hallowed halls host... I was trying to do an alliterative thing. Host the hooves, host the... I got nothing. Um, it, it, there, there are a few things more American, I would say, than consuming massive amounts of meat and bread products in a single sitting. Uh, bringing glory to your countrymen and, I would say, to your country itself. Uh, we have such an American hero under our roof today. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and uh, Romans and neighbors and children, will you please welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, we actually we have... Uh, I, I, it, actually, not one, not two, three competitive eaters. So we have Joey Chestnut, who, of course, last uh, Friday, July 4th, um, 63 hot dogs in how long, Joey? In 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Plus a little overtime. Because it was 59, and then there was a tie. Yeah. Uh, and then you went to sudden death. Sudden death, five hot dog overtime. Uh, all right, so we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, also joining us uh, in the studio, the first family of competitive eating, uh, Rich and Carlene Lefevre. Hello, how are you today? Hello. Good, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Um, all right, so uh, Rich Lefevre, you are 
Is it birthday cake? I mean, among other things? Yeah, birthday cake, uh, a five-pound birthday cake in 11 minutes. <laughs> How long ago was that? That was uh, three years ago. Do you ever eat something and then decide that you don't ever want to eat it again, ever, ever, ever? Uh, spam would be the only one that I would not consider eating again. Was the Spam raw or was it cooked? It was raw. Really? Kind of a slimy sort of a... Very slimy, right mm -hmm. out of the can. So you would say that Spam is the worst thing in terms of actual, uh, not just the ease of eating it, but in terms of the actual uh, taste, what would be the food you've eaten competitively that you would, uh, you would rank at the top? Well, the one at the top is birthday cake. I mean, I, I love birthday cake. Was this homemade or was it from a store? It was it was a five pound birthday cake from a store. I All right then. Was it uh, did it have like a filling inside of it? Uh, yeah, a little bit of filling between layers. It was a three layer cake. Now, when you're eating a birthday cake that actually has filling between the different layers, is that something you were using like a spoon or a fork or your hand? Hands. Oh. I used both my hands. Oh wow. All right. And washed it down with water. Please tell me that there's a video of this on the internet somewhere. <laughs> there was. I don't know if there still is. Uh, and Carlene Lefebvre, who's sitting uh, to your immediate right. So you guys now is it was one of you a competitive eater, and then you got the other one to join, or did you meet at some sort of competitive eating convention? Yes, well, my husband was first, and I thought, oh, I no way do I. Want my school children to see me cramming food in my mouth. So my husband bribed me. He said, oh, come on, you can do it, you can do it. So I made a promise to him, and I thought, I've got a whole year. And like a little kid, I thought, that time will never come. Well, that time came, and by golly, I won my first qualifier, and from then on, I was hooked. Now, what was the first food that you qualified uh, with? Hot dogs. And is that now is that your your preferred is that your food of no, choice? No, no, no. I think my food of choice might be donuts because there's nothing to <laughs> ruin donuts. They can't overcook them. They can't undercook them. They're not tough. But my worst food by far was the woogie salty spam. He came in first. I came in second. How many cans uh, for each of you at the spam eating oh, contest? Oh, I ate six pounds of spam. Oh. Eight, just under five. Wow. How many pounds are in a can? Or, uh, I think they're twelve ounce cans. Okay. So that's. About Three seven and a half cans. So that's about seven and a half cans. You can, that, yeah. My American and I, and I, like, I like spam, but after that, I've never had another spam again. It was like when you, your dad catches you smoking, he makes mm -hmm. you smoke a carton in the, yeah. in the closet or something. Yeah. So, and then Joey Chestnut. Here's when you were a boy. Did you say one day I will grow up to to ingest sixty three hot dogs in a single sitting, and my countrymen will hate me? Not at all. Not at all. I'm pretty normal. And it's weird. My little brother signed me up for my first contest, and after that, I, I realized I could do it. When was that? I think it was April of 2005. Yeah, April of 2005 up in Reno, a lobster contest. A lobster contest? Yeah. Really? Did you have to crack them yourself, and was there had, butter? Had to crack them ourselves. Yeah. Rich beat me in that contest. Yeah. And after <laughs> after that contest, I knew I could do it. Is this, here's a dumb question, is this a thing where you, you sort of see kind of the same faces over and over again at these contests? Is there a, a sort of an elite cadre of competitive eaters? It is, yeah, it's a great thing. It's like almost like a fraternity. We travel around the country, eat, and party. And you'll, ne and you'll never be a bunch of nicer guys. And so here's a, here's an even sillier question. When you guys are done, you're done at a competition, or maybe you're at some sort of a you're at a convention or an autograph signing or whatever. Do you guys go out to eat afterward? Ice cream. Really? Is, mm -hmm. No, I push myself real hard during the contest. I'm I'm pretty pretty full. I mean, <laughs> I'm not eating too much afterward. After you've eaten 63 hot dogs, how long is it before you feel like oh, I could really go for a little something right now? Oh, about a day and a half later. Really? Is that yeah. true? You guys as well? We go no, on watermelon no. the next day. No, for one thing. <laughs> One thing about me is, uh, you know, these contests are relatively short. I don't get filled up in 12 minutes, so I feel good afterwards. Now, so he says. So I was, I mean, <laughs> so, so we're talking to uh, Joey Chestnut and Rich and Carlene Lefevre, all competitive eaters. And so he, I was talking to Steve Kastamon from CNN earlier, who was actually at uh, the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Oh, wow. Uh, he was covering it for CNN last Friday. And uh, we had, I know there was some, a little bit of a directional difficulty where you guys got sent to the wrong building today, but he was, he, he wanted me to pass along, A, his hello, and B, a question that he and I sort of had, which is that 
Now, for these competitive eating contests, it is... What well, is a rule that you can't you can't hurl, right? You got to keep it down. Definitely. Now, no reversal. So <laughs> no reversals. It's funny because that's what they call it in poker too. If you suddenly lose all your chips, oh, really? I've suffered. A, not I'll you reversal. don't say you've lost yeah. money. I've really? suffered a reversal. <laughs> yeah. it's more pleasant than exactly. Do you see people suffer reversals at these contests On a lot? Occasion. Really? Is it sort of like a chain reaction when somebody does that? No, no, no. 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 Usually it's a it's a pride issue. When when mm-hmm. when I see somebody do it, I'll make fun of them. Yeah, yeah. We make fun of people that that hurl during the contest. And they usually keep a bucket right by each person just oh, in case. Wow. And uh, so there's trash talking that goes on before, after, during anything like that. A little yeah. trash yeah. talking. I mean, but, before, but it's after. nice. It's nice trash. Very talk. polite. Yeah. We're, we're we're all friends, but we're out there to win. Well, because it does. And I'm reading your Wikipedia entry, Carlene, and it does say that you are called the Madam of Etiquette Madame, for your Madame, Madame. Sorry, of Etiquette, <laughs> because of the relative <laughs> the relative degree of decorum that you exhibit while consuming mass quantities of food, and your trademark move is the what? The pop, Carlene pop. Which is what? And as I jump up and down because it's either from excess energy or it might help the food go down and settle. So has anybody sort of approached all you guys about your sort of life rights or making a movie about this or a documentary? Because this really seems to be just a movie like you just add, you know, Will Ferrell and you're, you know, you're, you're done. making a video game. There's a video right game. No, really. Yeah, that's we. what I said. <laughs> it hasn't been released yet, but uh, Joey and I are two of the characters in the game. That is the most righteous thing I have ever heard. That's insane. And is it, so is it going to be for the Nintendo Wii or yeah, is it Wii. one of the programs you download? And you'll just and so yeah, Richie Bristol is doing the thing where you have the controller and you have to like shovel the yeah, glue into your mouth exactly. or something. Swallowing. Let me ask you this. I was talking. This is another question Steve Kastenbaum and I came up with. Uh, we were talking about Cool Hand Luke. To the best of your knowledge, does anybody do the Can Any Man Eat Fifty Eggs contest? Sonia. Sonia Sony Thomas, the Black Widow. Mm-hmm. She's about a hundred pounds. She oh holds, sure. She holds yeah. the record for like sixty-five. <laughs> Why is it always really skinny people who do this well? It's not skinny people. It's healthy people. If, yeah. you, if you weigh 400 pounds, you're going to run out of breath after two or three minutes. So you think it's not really about your body fat? It's just in terms of having uh, being healthy Overall, enough to just... Overall, generally healthy, yes. Because it, it probably is. Is it physically... Um, d- does it tax your body? Not just your stomach, but I mean, is it stressful? Is it... Oh, for oh, me it is, yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's not the healthiest oh, thing I've done oh. by any means. Especially if you push yourself to the very limit. You I mean, get to a point where you just... think, oh, I can't continue another second, but you do anyway. Will you push? That was actually, when you get to that point, and probably the best example, Joey, is last Friday. So you're at 59. And is this the first time that there had ever been a tie where they had to go to sudden death? In, at the finals. At yeah. the Nathan's Hot Dog. Yeah. And, and so they, 59, then they reset the clock to, what, two minutes? No, they just, uh, no. they uh, gave us. Five hot dogs, and the first one to finish the five was the winner. First one to finish the five. Um, and so at that moment, I mean, you, at some point, you get to 59, you must think in your head, like, this is, uh, if I have to see another hot dog, I'm going to lose it. How, what, what is the, do you give yourself a pep talk? What it goes on in Joey Chestnut's first, head? First, I was really, 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 like, scared, because I barely made it enough to tie him. I had to shove in that last hot dog right. just in time. But then I, then I realized I only have 59 in me. I, I've eaten up to 70 in practice. So I was like, damn it, I, I can do this. <laughs> So, Excellent. I, I pumped him out. You don't hear like do you, you don't hear the Rocky theme or something going in your head. Well, I had my little brother in front of me yelling at me, cussing at me, not to slow down. Excellent. Uh, and so, and I know that Kobayashi doesn't he doesn't speak English, does he? He understands English pretty well. So yeah. you, have you, do you have you spoken? Have you talked? I don't speak to him too much. He's a, he's a competitor, and we're, we 
I mean, he's a quiet, to... quiet and private guy. Yeah. She, she, she's trying to keep the eye of the tiger. Yeah, I'm not going to focus on him too much anymore than him. No, you don't want to give him any of your energy. So much of his mental too. I was going to ask that. Yeah. So is it? Uh, yeah. Would you guys say that it is a mental game? That it's all about? Oh, being... I think uh, yeah. mentally, it's it's a big part of it. Yes, definitely. So, Rich Carlene, do you guys have uh, rituals, meditations? Do you go to a special place inside for a few minutes before? How do you prepare for this? Do you want to mentally each other? I just focus on I just focus on how I'm going to eat that particular food and try to do it the most efficiently. So now, do you if you know you're going to be eating something, do you go out and just buy a huge amount of it and you sit at home in front of the table going, what is the easiest way to get this in my mouth? Absolutely not. He and I are health freaks at home, and before a contest, I'm I'm an overachiever and I have a fear of failure. I don't want to come in last. So as a result, I always do pretty well. And I try to, maybe I'll practice for one minute on that food, or just to try to get the idea on how I'm going to attack it. And then, you know, the, the day of the actual event, do you eat at all, a lot, or lightly? I usually, or eat, a light, I, I usually eat a light breakfast. A glass of milk. <laughs> Something like that. Very light. Hey, somebody, is, there a, is there a food that you have uh, had the chance to eat competitively, and you've just said, no, I'm not even going to try that. I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. I don't think it can be done. It's going to make me, uh, you know. That we have eaten competitively? Have or they have not. That somebody, somebody says, hey, uh, we're going to have this thing where you drink warm milk, and you just oh, say, no. Like, no. I mean, is there a food that you've turned well, down? I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat Fear Factor food. I mean, like, we were offered a spot in 2001 on one of these shows that, where you had to eat Fear Factor type food, and I, I, no. we said no thanks. Have you, guys, have you guys ever thought about putting together some sort of a, uh, like a recipe book or something? The Competitive Eater's Guide to Eating Whatever? No. Well, seriously, I'm a recipe freak and I love to cook, but no, I have not thought of that. But that's an idea. I'm just saying, this, uh, my mind is always going. I'm always trying to you know, throw out the ideas. This, okay, so Sarah uh, and Dylan, my producer, and I were talking about this earlier. And so I will ask this question. So you're eating. You, oh, the, the post. You, you're, you're eating 64, 62? 64. 64 total. hot dogs. What's that like after? When does the bathroom business, <laughs> when does the bathroom become an issue, and how unpleasant it is, is that? worthy. I mean, <laughs> wow. But I mean, let's say you finish that at noon. When is it that you're like, hey, you got to get out of there, I need to go? I mean, oh, going into the contest, I'm not like them. I, I really push my body, so I'm going into the contest, I'm completely empty. Right. So and things are going to start working their way through pretty quickly. So, yeah, so you finish the contest, and then would you say it's immediately afterward, no, or is I mean, it a matter? I'm talking about... First, I'll do the interviews for about an hour and a half, then go back to the hotel and take about an hour and a half nap, and I'm I'm woken up by by urge by nature. <laughs> yeah, nature. Uh, and then is it uh, is it just like an all evening affair no, at that no, point? No, I recover pretty quickly. My I, bo- my body's become very tough. Does your body sort of anticipate what's coming now? It like knows, it, kind of... it knows what's going to happen. I, I I go into these contests and I'm amped up. I I uh, I'm I'm ready for it. Do you guys get any sort of a sensory memory reaction? In other words, so like with birthday cake. Uh, it, Flashbacks? Yeah, like if you smell, like Rich, if you smell a birthday cake, does your body immediately go into like fight or flight mode? Like, all right, oh, wait, it's on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wish they had another contest like that. I like sweets like that. Now, is that is that like a one a one off thing, the birthday cake eating yeah, contest? That was one and done. Yeah. All right, and uh, so I wasn't around at that time. Did, yeah. So well, what you were around, but you didn't compete. What is the? Uh, we're talking to uh, Joey Chestnut and Rich and Carlene Lefevre, competitive eaters. And by the way, I should mention this: uh, this year's Smoking at the Ocean Barbecue and Brew Fest, making a triumphant return to Chinookwins Casino Resort, Friday, uh, July 11th. That is coming Friday through Sunday, July 13th. Uh, there uh, will be live music, uh, and uh, among the top eaters in the world uh, will be there. We're going to have the rib-eating champion, uh, Oregon residents and brothers uh, Cameron McCurdy of Eugene, Oregon, and Andrew McCurdy of Seaside, uh, as well as Joey, uh, Rich, uh, and um, Eric Denmark and Carlene. Are you going to be taking no, part? I'm the wingman and coach this year. You're going to be supporting there. 
Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a huge, uh, th- our friend Chris Neven actually came down just to, just to sort of meet you guys and see because he's so into this. Um, and it's uh, put on by the International Federation of Competitive Eaters Association. And it is, uh, the rib eating thing has got to be weird though, too. That would be like eating hot wings or something. It would just, oh, it's seems awesome. like the logistics yeah, would just be so hard, right? Because you got the bone to deal with you got the there. bone, but they weigh everything beforehand so they know exactly how much we, we ate afterwards. And also, it's, I can't eat enough to get full. So, so you've got this 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 international federation of competitive eaters. So do these guys? Who decides what the food is going to be? Is there like a vote or something? It's these guys, the 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 presidents, the Shea brothers. Do they all just get in a room and go, all right, uh, the eggs floating in brine. That's no, what it's going to be this year. No, sponsors contact them, and they come up with these different events, and they negotiate. It's good advertisement for these pe- food people. Is there a food that you live in fear of, that they're going to come to you some year, and they're going to go, look, uh, it's going to be head cheese. I'm sorry, there's just no getting around it. I, mean, I, I can, I've turned down a contest, just because they're, like, I'll stay away from sweets because I know I'll eat so much that it could actually hurt me. That it actually is that you're going to just go into some sort of diabetic shock. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like crap. I get a headache when I eat that much sugar. But so, um, I have a question. Do you ever eat hot dogs, like, normally? For pleasure. Yeah, like, do you eat them when you're not competing? Like, do you ever crave them or like them, or do you just kind of tolerate them? I can tolerate them. I mean, at a baseball game. How does Joey Chestnut dog. prepare a hot dog? Oh, with everything. Like, if you're just really, so you're everything, mustard, ketchup, relish, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Onions. Um, we have a couple. Let's see. We have a, a couple of questions that got the, that sent into us here. Uh, let's see. Um, well, we had the most physically difficult food for eating the competition. It says um, uh, some foods would be more difficult to consume due to spiciness, but you said sugar you stay away from. And uh, this one is for Joey. It says, of all the contests you've won, is there a contest other than the Nathan's contest you are particularly proud of winning? This is from Jenny. No way. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly enough, there is a girl who is really, really interested in this. So, uh, but she, she, other than the Nathan's hot dog, is there a contest? You look and go, that was my best work right there. I love the rib contest in Lincoln City, uh, and I also love chicken wings in Philadelphia. There's a 30-minute chicken wing contest in Philadelphia, amazing, and I, I put up big numbers every year. Let me ask you guys this, and I'll just we'll just go down the line here. If time was not a factor, in other words, if it was like an open-ended sort of a thing, what food would you say just Given your own personal druthers, as my mother would say, could you just sit and just eat endlessly? I'm saying, like, for me, it's Kraft macaroni. I could just yeah, go I think, all day. I think a pasta. I would love to do a pasta eating contest. I mean, long, if, yeah, if it was really just about quantity over an open-ended period of time, you could just go with pasta. I, I'm ribeye steak. Excellent. I'll go with chili reinos. Really? Yes, Good I for you. I'd like to go and do a contest of chili reinos. Excellent. Great. So how many days out of the year do you guys typically spend out? Eating. I mean, is it just, is it just like a weekend thing, or does it you block out a month at a time? Or during the summer, it's almost every weekend I'm doing a contest. After Lincoln City, I'm going to be going to Singapore in a week and a half, and then uh, I'll be back in I think Texas after that. Is there Joey? Is there extra pressure on you now because there has been so much chat about it? And he's brought honor back to our country. <laughs> he has restored the golden glow to America. You can't fail us. You... No, it's, it's, it's all for fun. Everybody who really follows it knows that we're just having fun. We love to eat and. Just, yeah, goofy dudes having fun. I mean, we wouldn't do it if it weren't fun. Yeah, well, it really is. In many, I mean, I know it's a thing that's done worldwide, and there's competitors from all over, but in, in many ways, and I mean it sincerely, it is just like the most American thing in some well, ways. Well, on the 4th of July, there's nothing that, nothing more American other than fireworks. I mean, yeah, I mean, and just I I, I saw that uh, that photo of you with, the, I guess it was the 63 hot dogs or whatever. They put on a platter or something, and it was you kind of posing next to yeah. the big pyramid of hot dogs. 
And, and it really does, it almost sort of defies physics to think about where all that goes. It doesn't even seem possible. Oh, it's there. <laughs> Is it difficult to stand up after you guys have done this? Do you stand up and your body just goes, no, we got to sit down again? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes after uh, eating a lot, I, I find myself hunched over and I can't stand up straight right away. <laughs> You're just sort of having to ease into it, sort of like, all right, let's, exactly. let's get it together. Well, I felt like that when I ate a gallon of half a chili and 13 pounds of watermelon. I kind of mm-hmm. felt that way. It needs to settle a little bit before mm-hmm. you can go on. Uh, do you even taste the food when it goes down? I don't. I do. I do. I do. It's crappy food. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. My numbers will be down. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. So you don't. Uh, somebody told me that the key is to like put it right in the back of your uh, mouth or something because then you miss the taste buds or no, something no, like you, that. I, I taste it all the way through. Well, you're usually washing it down with soggy bread. <laughs> That's the worst part. To me, it's like it's just like eating a bowl of Elmer's glue. I can't even I can't even fathom that. You just mash it, mash it so you can get it down, and then you put the bread in there that's all soggy. Oh, oh man, it's, wow. it's nasty. Wow, that's the worst. <laughs> you guys, I'm so amped up I could eat anything the day of the contest. Really, you're just, just a big bag of nails. <laughs> Gone. Oh, I'm vicious. When you guys, when competitive eaters are out, uh, let's say you're just, uh, it's, it's not a competition, it's not a whatever, you're just, uh, you're in your hometown hanging out. When you go out to dinner, do you have to make sure you don't eat quickly? I do. I, and by, I do eat quickly by nature. My father used to say, what are you doing? Nobody's going to take it away from you. So in a contest, part of me is natural speed. I just triple it. So naturally. when I go into a buffet, for instance, I'll go in at 11 o'clock. I'll they come even close out, it? I'll come, like, out, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I'll come out at quarter to one. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you really ought to see that ought to be some sort of like a Borat kind of a stunt. You guys ought to just pose as just like normal everyday citizens and go into a buffet and just, just empty it. Just clean it out, man. I have to say, they notice us. Yeah. Do, you guys, uh, do you guys ever go to, uh, uh, go to Vegas just as sort of uh, just, just for pleasure? Because I was going to ask you your buffet recommendation. We I mean, live there. Who, yeah, oh, we really? live there. Well, what, yeah. what is the best buffet the in Mirage, Vegas? Uh, I think the Mirage has a very good lunch buffet. And the Aladdin Spice Market buffet used to be very good, but I think it's now run by Planet Hollywood, so I don't know if it's changed or not. All right, then. But you can't go wrong with the Mirage. I mean, that has great lunch. Fantastic. All right, uh, so let me, uh, I mean, thank you guys for coming in. I was a little bit of a, a little chaotic kind of getting you guys here today. So sorry, we're sort of, so long. That's okay. You know, we're kind of, it's, we're scattered all over the, uh, all over the city here. Uh, so this year's Smoking at the Ocean Barbecue and Brew Fest is happening at Chinook Winds Casino, July 11th, uh, through the 13th. For more information, you can go to Chinook Winds Casino or call 1-888-CHINOOK, 1-888-244-6665. Uh, and there's just a, there is a, a whole a whole weekend of, of stuff happening. But, of course, the World Championship Rib Eating Contest uh, is going to be the, one of the highlights. And they're going to have an amateur contest, too, I think. They're going to have an yeah, amateur rib eating contest. Yeah. And the press, too. Yeah. So do you guys ever hear from, you know, do you ever get the like the, the, like the sort of 10-year-old, you know, who comes up and tugs on your Yankees uniform and goes, I'm going to grow up and eat hot dogs because of you? <laughs> Go on, uh, there, there's, actually, there's a ton of little kids that follow it. I get people, kids uh, give me baseball cards to sign and, and baseballs and the weird things to sign. It's, it's funny. <laughs> there well, should be competitive eater cards. I'm coming out with one. Really? Tops is making one for me. Good for you. <laughs> actually, <laughs> really, that's the most American thing of all, to see yourself on a Tops card. Well yeah, done. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, do you guys have uh, websites, MySpace, anything you... Uh... This is your place. You can search my name and find it. Place to pimp if you want to. So pimp myself out. Yeah. yeah. You just tap in the names and plenty comes up. We will. Uh, we'll put links to this on the on the website as well. So Carlene and Rich Lefevre and Joey Chestnut, uh, congratulations. Best of continued success in life and eating, my oh, friends. Thanks, thank All right. Thank much. you guys so much for coming in. Thank we'll you. take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
Illinois. Howdy. I'm completely full of entertainment. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Mere moments. We will begin today's new news hour. Only 31 minutes late. Uh, with Tim Riley. He will join us in the studio momentarily. Uh, let's uh, talk to our good friend Chris Sneathan from OnTheVig.com for a moment. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hi. Trying to find a hip one that has levels. Uh, so you uh, be this one. So you came by uh, just to sort of uh, geek out with the Joey Chestnut and crew. Absolutely. Which is good for you, my friend. Thank you very much. It's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing for me, and, and I had a lot of fun. I went down and saw it last year, and actually, I remember I texted you as I was driving back uh, from last year's competition, just saying, "Hey, you got to see what this what this." Where I was, and, and so you were this, like, I didn't even know this was going on. Now, and now this, but you're actually the, the Chinook Winds thing, which is happening, the Smoking at the Ocean, uh, which is happening this uh, weekend uh, at Chinook Winds, and it's going to be uh, the the World Champion Rib Eating Contest, yes. and also, but then there's an amateur one, and then there's one that's just for the media, which yes. you were inexplicably not invited to. But you are going to be taking part, are you not? I will be taking part. All right. So when is that? That is Saturday at three o'clock, I believe. If you'd like to see Chris Neath and fill himself with ribs. Mm. Uh, you can do that on Saturday at Chinook Winds. So how many? How long are you gonna? Do you know what it's what, what the parameters are? How long are you gonna get? I haven't even gotten that far into it. I have to go home and look it up online at ChinookWinds.com. Are you gonna be practicing by eating ribs on Friday? Uh, just gonna freeze. You know what? I'm I'm thinking right now that I'm gonna have to to figure out uh, space out my my eating and perhaps eat healthy as the competitors do between out, now and then. Block out the rest of your week. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you uh, you are uh, morally obligated and legally required to call us Monday and to give us a recap on how the eating contest. Went. I will do that. All right. And. Uh, I was going to I was going to insert some sort of codicil here about how if you end up actually winning it all, we're going to demand some sort of backstage privileges at your, <laughs> your inevitable Madison Square Garden eating performance. So, if I right. win it all, I will remember you. All right, thank you, my friend. Well, good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. From uh, onthevig.com, Chris Sneathan, ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, Tim Riley will be joining us in this. I feel like Scooter on the Muppet Show. Yeah. Thirty seconds to curtain, Mr. Riley. <laughs> oh, uh, there he is. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. I think I speak for all of us when I say, Jesus, what a day. I'm exhausted already. I've missed Tim Riley. It seems like forever since I've seen you, Tim. No, uh, we we saw each other in the hallway earlier. Oh, that's right. Yes. All right. Shall we begin the news hour, Sarah? I think we shall. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. This is, is brought to you by Life's Auto Collision Centers. Life's Auto Collision Center, finest and automotive repair. Why don't you go to Life's.com and find out what Life's can do for you? There's too much water in here. There's like water everywhere. Uh, I'll move it for you. No, that's all right. I'm, I'm going to move it. Over. <laughs> all right, I've got it. I have my water bottle. Well, you know, the competitive eaters need to hydrate. Okay. Hydrate. Oh, is that all of the competitive? <gasps> There's Joey Chestnut's water. Maybe we can auction that off for something. Sell it on eBay. eBay. <laughs> Hydration is the key to competitive eating, Tim. All right. So uh, we have quite a few things to talk about here. Portland police have started an investigation into two overnight shootings that took place about a mile apart from each other. At around 10 o'clock last night, they found a 25-year-old man with a gunshot wound to the leg. He was taken to a manual to be treated. And it happened around uh, 10 o'clock at North Emerson. Of course it did. Uh, the gang people came in. Then around midnight, police responded to another shooting at North Albina, just south of the Failing Street. Did you know that there's an Emer a corner, uh, an intersection of Emerson and Emerson? 
That's interesting. I Emerson and Emerson. Uh, there is. Uh, Dave Zinn told me about that. There is an intersection of Emerson and Emerson. Uh, so, of course, now, because like, I'm a radio tool, I have to go get my my picture taken there. Because, you know, it's, it's like the law. Oh, we understand there's a water main break as we speak, affecting driving in the area of Northeast 82nd and Sandy. Portland's population has increased 1.6%. City's population now 550,000. It's the fastest growing city in Oregon. Mm. And ties Seattle's growth rate. In Oregon, only Portland, Salem, and Eugene are big enough to be tracked by the Census Bureau tallies of 262 U.S. cities with at least 100,000 residents. Salem grew 1.5%. They now have 151,913. Eugene grew one whole percent. They now have 149,004. So we have all these biking stories. I don't know which way. It's really weird because we talked about bikes yesterday. And all of a sudden, all this bike stuff is happening. We are just awash in bicycle stories today. So first, there is increased tension on the max because more and more people are riding it and bringing their bikes in. There's only like one place to hang a bike in each car. I noticed that. I've only ridden the max once, but I saw that there was yeah. just I one thought that there was. I thought there was more than that. I thought those racks held a couple. No, one. Really? Well, that's... There, there might be one on each side, so maybe two. So that's just like on the front of a bus, how there's only the place on the bus for two bikes. Right. So the bike hooks are full, and uh, someone else... When the bike tries to squeeze in, and, of course, you know, someone ends up with a fender dent in their sure. leg and they get upset. Right. So uh, what are you going to do? This is going to affect you, Tim Riley, when you begin your new cycling uh, lifestyle. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but we'll find out. <laughs> anyway. Are you having second thoughts? Uh, well, there's some traffic problems and lack of places to ride bikes in my area. <laughs> it's true. I've got to map it out. They made they just made this great bike lane down Front Avenue. You can make it from the station all the way down to the, uh, the steel bridge in a bike lane. And did you know this, that there is now an online service, not unlike MapQuest, but it is for Portland, and it is simply how to get anywhere via bike. Wow. Uh, there is a bike mapping uh, service online. That uh, if, if, and, if and when you begin your cycling regime, Tim, I'll pass it Honestly, you should, Tim. Like, just even riding my bike into work today, it's just... It's the greatest, the world from a, a bicycle. I like that kind of so bike. And yeah, then that's you an can Electra. Be... That's the kind that you like. Yes, it is. And yeah. then you can become even more smug, Tim. I don't think that's possible. I mean, well, we could always find out. And I alerted the uh, I alerted the AM nine seventy crack sales team uh, oh, as to your desire to become a cyclist. Oh. Uh, and so it's entirely possible that maybe we'll wring some coin out of that desire of yours as well. So it remains to be seen. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so we have this big story here: an unusual case of bike rage, road rage, or both. As a driver is attacked by a cyclist in Southeast, you touched upon this last half hour, I do believe. And as an added twist. The driver is a well-known cycling advocate in the community. The victim is 47-year-old Colin Yates. He used to work at the bike gallery. All you bike people must know that. So he's driving his wife and kids in the family car on Sunday. And he saw a bicyclist run a red light at Belmont and chided him for making the other bikers look bad. So at that point, Yates said the cyclist gets off his bike and starts smashing it against the car and his windshield. So Yates gets out of the car, and that's when the cyclist, who's uh, been identified as 31-year-old Stephen McAtee, Hit him with a bike. He hit him with a bike. Passers by got involved. And one of them reportedly knocked the cyclist to the ground with one punch. The best part about this is, is that at some point, well, I mean, there's many, many best parts of this. Yeah, we just started. At some point, one of the people in the altercation, I forget who, one of the people in the altercation said to the other, I'm quoting now, do you want some? Which is great, which is a thing that you don't really hear enough in real life. That's uh, typically only in video games and movies. So anyway... Uh, so more and more people get involved. People come to the scene. Uh, McAtee was eventually charged with drunk driving and assault. 
And oh, by the way, he works for the city of Portland Transportation <laughs> Department. <laughs> I mean, it's just it. I can't even keep the story. So not, there's more to it. So I'm going to the Oregonian for this part. So uh, apparently, out of nowhere, the passenger knocks McAtee to the ground with one punch. And as fast as McAtee hits the ground, nearly a dozen people, many bicyclists who were riding by and noticed the commotion, swarm around Yates, automatically thinking that, that he he's had, the cause that he was, of it. They assumed the guy in the car was at fault. Right. And so suddenly a mob surrounds him because they all figure he's in a car. He must be evil. Mm-hmm. So uh, shoving cell phone cameras about a foot from his face and accusing him of <laughs> ripping up the bicyclist even before they even knew what happened. Uh, so to make matters worse, the 911 call comes in at 10:10, and the call was "car hit bicycle" and people yelling, which of course wasn't true. Was wow. not true. So officers uh, found it confusing when they arrived. About 20 to 30 people gathered. Police described the atmosphere as hostile <laughs> for the motorist, who, who's completely innocent. Right. Uh, one witness on a bicycle told police he didn't want to make a statement at the scene because of the thugs and bad folks. He later talked to the police by phone and gave an accurate account. So, as it turns out, police say the bicyclist, McAtee, was both drunk and wrong, and so were most of the people in this mob. Yeah. All, all you bicycle mobler, mobbers, whatever they're called. Mobber. So, so uh, police said Yates, who set out the next day, on a move to Colorado, had an imprint of a bike chain on his left forearm mm. and grease stains on his shoulder. Jesus. So, it's typically a Portland thing. It is. I mean, and so... Automatically blaming the driver when the bicyclist was... And it's not the first time I've seen some bicyclists do some bad things. I hate, like, pompous, poor, like, bicyclists. Like, the ones who just completely ignore stop signs, who run through lights, who cut off traffic, who flip people off. They make other bicyclists look gr- bad. That's, and that's exactly what happened So here. the question is, can you ride on the, you can ride on the sidewalk, the road, and both? Well, that, here's the thing. Downtown, yes. you may not go on the sidewalk. You must use the road. If you are, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. How, how are people supposed to know that who just came here or well, or visiting? That's the thing is yeah. like if you're gonna if you're gonna be a regular cyclist, uh, if you're gonna be cycling, I mean, any amount of time, and especially, I mean, look, I don't bike that often, let's be honest, but a lot of it's you know when I do, it's downtown in the downtown area. If you're gonna be biking at all on a regular basis around downtown, you, it's not difficult information to find. You really ought to just go online and figure out what the hell you're doing. That's what I did. I went online and got my rights because I was tired of cars screaming at me when I was in southeast Portland telling me to get out of the road. But I'm like, it's illegal for me to be on the sidewalk. And that's the other thing. Yeah, so you get cars who will blare their horns thinking that you you shouldn't be in the road when, of course, you are required to be on the road as a bicyclist in certain parts of town. Uh, you're also allowed the full lane as, as a bicycle, by the way. Full lane. That is a part of Oregon law. You are allowed the full lane as a bike. And if there are any obstacles in the, like, you can ride on the sidewalk, but if there are any obstacles on the sidewalk where, you know, like, signs have, you know, like, businesses have signs out there, right. there's tables, chairs, people walking. If you can't get on the sidewalk or get over, you are allowed the full lane. But, but the problem with this, this, uh, this cyclist guy is that he did what all, I mean, he just did that idiot move of just blowing through a stop sign or a stoplight. That's like he, correct. That's the thing. is like you can't have it both ways. If you're on a bicycle, you can either act like a bicycle or you can act like a car. If you're going to act like a car, which you are required to do by law, which is taking the full lane and driving in the road, then you've got to follow all of the same regulations that cars follow. And he didn't. He just he was at 20th and Belmont, which is... You know, a fairly busy intersection. It's not like it's like you're off you're off in Silverton or something. So he just blows through the intersection. The guy in the car, who is a cycling advocate himself, rolls down the window and says, Hey jackass, you know, you're the reason that they hate us. And the bicyclist guy steps up, You want some? And he's drunk. 
uh, and the guy didn't want some, but apparently got some anyway. It works for the transportation department yeah, of the city. and this is the jackass on a bicycle works for the transportation department and ought to know better. But he's drunk, bicycling, and breaking the law, and then broke can, the law. Can you be arrested for drunk bicycling? Yes, you can, Tim. Why don't they do it more often? Though? I don't know. Seems like that ought to happen. Maybe a beating as well, in theory. Uh, but, I mean, so he, allegedly he's drunk and bicycling, and he gets off, picks a fight with the guy in the car, and then starts destroying the guy's car with his bicycle. And then, as Tim pointed out, a bunch of other jackass bicyclists all show up like locusts, uh, assuming that because the one guy is in a car, he must be in the wrong somehow. And then they start shoving their cell phones in his faces. When, of course, just taking a picture of the license plate, you know, would be adequate, but that doesn't give you the same sense of smell, uh, like sub, uh, smug self-satisfaction. You know, that a lot of bicyclists seem to thrive on. I'm looking at you, critical mass. So, it's like, you know, and the mercury. And I'm looking at you, the mercury. The um, mercury always has It appears that he's not guilty. Well, how do you know? Well, the cops have come out and said that it was the cyclist's fault right. and that the cyclist was in the wrong and that he was drunk. Uh, it's you know when I did that hottest day of the year ride with Sarah Wagner so and Becca, I did uh, which August is 3rd, I think? pretty great by the way. It's a uh, it's it's a pretty great thing, and I did that last year with Becca from Promotions, who's a much better cyclist than I am, and Sarah Wagner and myself. We all did that, and it's you know it's it's a I forget how long it is. It's like twelve miles or something. But you bike twelve miles to Portland, and at the end you go eat somewhere or whatever. And uh, it's from the Lucky Lab to some other place. But the deal is you're going down a lot of residential streets and streets where there are stop signs and stoplights. And you know what? You're supposed to stop there. And we stopped at every one. And Becca and I were sitting there. And we would see cyclists just blowing through the red light. And every time we would be, that's why people don't like cyclists. That's why they hate us. So why don't you just not be a dick, huh? How about that? I mean, we all just agree on that. Liberals. Sarah. <laughs> exactly, Tim. That's the problem. All right. Too many of them. Well, since things got a little hog wild in Salem, a 25-pound, make that a 250-pound pig, destined for the Marion County Fair, made a dash for freedom during rush hour traffic. The loose pig was finally lassoed by Salem police officers. The driver of the truck hauling the pig had no idea that it escaped because there were no marks found on the walls of the four-foot-tall trailer. Last year, a Texas longhorn named Pastel escaped from handlers at the fair and ran through the streets of Salem until she was corralled by police and fire responders. That is so great. I love the idea of that, because that's another thing that you only see depicted in old, like, little Abner cartoons, where uh, somebody's having to chase a pig somewhere. Ugh. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, Jenny, uh, one of our men, we have, like, a hundred different Jennies. This is what Lycus calls the Jennifer Memo. We're in about 1980, where a memo went out to all parents saying, name your daughter's Jennifer. What? Lycus has talked about that, the Jennifer memo. Yeah, there are tons of He them. jokes about that, how there must have been some memo oh, that went okay. out saying, like... I there was really a memo, I'm like, I don't understand. The Census Department demanded. He really joked how everybody started naming their kids Jenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny says, I took a class about bike commuting over the winter. They talk about bike laws, bike gear, etc. All of these questions I highly recommend it from Mr. Tim Riley. Best show ever, Jenny. All right, thank you, Jenny. Why, thank you. So let's talk about this uh, Jesse Jackson thing, shall we? Yes. Well, Jesse Jackson is apologizing for some critical comments, as he calls them. He made about a White House contender Barack Obama. He muttered the comments under his breath while he was being mic'd for an interview. So let's see what we hear here. So I heard Brock's talking to unblock people. And off. He yeah, he says I, I, I have the yeah, actual quote written in front of me right here. 
Are you um, reading a news quote? I have. A, as I, uttered by Jesse Jackson? A public figure, uh, a news quote. A man of the cloth, a man of God. And by the way, a news quote that he said on a news, you know, as much as we as much as much we uh, criticize Fox News sometimes, they're the ones who caught this and they're the ones who, who, who played it. Yes. Um, uh, let's see, an interview. So it was a news interview on Fox News. Um uh, uh, between uh, Jesse Jackson and fellow guest United Health Group executive Dr. Reed V. Tuxen, I believe, in which Jackson whispers, "See, Barack's been um talking down to black people on his faith-based pause. I want to cut his. I won't actually even that. I mean, we probably could because it's a news, it's a news show and it's a news quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he says I want to cut his blanks off his genitals. Here's the O'Reilly. Thing. Hi, I'm Bill O'Reilly." watching us tonight. Jesse Jackson criticizes Barack Obama. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. While speaking to Reed Tuxen from the United Healthcare Group, Reverend Jackson had some negative comments about Senator Obama's recent support for faith-based charities operating with government funds. Here is a part of what Jackson said. And then it's... Yeah, yeah so it's the same. Uh... So he uses that phrase, I want to cut his blanks off, mm-hmm. um, which is, as I think you said before the show even started, like, wouldn't you just assume that you would just, you were always being miked? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's just the most... Insane. What is he, like, what specifically does he say? Like, like what does it even mean? Like, what it, I don't even really understand what this quote means. That is weird. Apparently, he thought he was talking down to black people, so he wanted to, his, his, to castrate him. Yeah, then so O'Reilly comes back after it. Now, I have no idea why Jackson framed his comments that way. We invited the Reverend on the program this evening. He declined. Unlike what Jackson himself often does, Talking Voice is not going to speculate about his motivation or describe his comments in any pejorative way. You heard them. You can decide. Also, it would be unfair to Jackson to pit him against Obama in a larger sense. Now, some believe there's a rivalry between the two men, but we've seen no evidence of that other than what you just heard. I will say... That Senator Obama's support for faith-based charities doesn't seem to have any condescending quality to it. Faith-based organizations do a tremendous amount of good in America, and we would like to know if Jackson has a beef with them. We'd also like Jackson to... Those are the typical Bill O'Reilly uh, nattering. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So, uh, you know, Chris Neven uh, was was uh, in the hallway here. He was uh, hanging out to meet Joey Chestnut earlier. and um, it, uh, He was noting that that in his, this is Chris Neven's opinion, in his opinion that this is, that this is an unexpected, this is sort of a perverse gift to Barack Obama, though. Yes. Because it allows himself, it allows him to differentiate himself, uh, you know, from leaders and politicians of the past, which is what, because when you see Jesse Jackson, well, he's one of those, you know, screaming memes from the 60s, still stuck in, <laughs> you know, 1967. But I mean, he just, he just, he's like, when I see Jesse Jackson, I feel the same way as when I see, like, I don't know, it's like seeing Dan Quayle. You're just like, God damn, I'm so, still around. I just, I want to be rid of the 80s so badly. I just want to be done with the old era, with that era. Well, he's still from the 60s. Yeah. I mean, uh, four decades have gone by, he's still doing the same old thing. He's just turning up like a bad penny. I mean, yelling and screaming just causes people to reach for the remote. <laughs> that really, that's really what it is. So, uh, it, and here's the other thing. The, the, uh, the thing about also Jesse Jackson, who at one point, and I, I have to say, there really was a, a very skilled and fiery orator at one point. He was a, he really was a very gifted and skilled public speaker. Now, I don't know if he's had a stroke or what's happened or if he's just had me Oh, he got those clinky teeth. The, the Lou Dobbs teeth. <laughs> that's when things start going downhill. <laughs> like Richard Keel Jaws teeth. Clank, clank, I, want, clank. <laughs> I want to mention something about faith-based education. 
Uh, <laughs> like huge James Bonty. Um, but but I saw Jesse Jackson. Yeah, you see him. You see him back then. He was just a, a fantastic public speaker. Just very again a lot of flow, very mellifluous, you know, and all that. And then I saw him on the, the Bill Maher show or something a while back, and it's like he's just sort of gradually. He's like it's like he's uh, uh, like a, a toy that's gradually wound down, and he's begun to speak very slowly. When uh, making his what? And you're just and you're watching something <laughs> speak faster. But because he's Jesse Jackson, and at least at a certain point in American history, had a very prominent stature, and because he was such a great speaker, everybody just kind of sits there le- and they're doing all that thing of leaning forward in their chairs, a little bit, going, "Yes." Get it out, you know, just waiting for it. Because I think maybe they figure that he'll, like, get it back, which clearly isn't going to happen. Well, it's all very sad. But I guess the main point here was he uh, complained that he really didn't know that there was a microphone. If in this thing I've said in a hot mic statement that's interpreted as distractions, I offer apology for that because I don't want harm to hurt to come to this campaign. Why don't you apologize for saying you wanted to castrate him? Hmm? Yeah. Why don't you actually apologize for that? So here's the second apology. Jackass. Let's see if he does it this time. Well, it, it's ugly and unnecessary, and that's why I was really quick to apologize, because Barack and I are friends. I am a passionate supporter of his campaign, long-standing and currently and will continue to be. I threaten all my friends with the removal of their <laughs> testicles. I was just going to say. He's really trying to pass off that that's a friendship. Really, you yeah. know, uh, Sarah and I are friends, you know, and I'm going to uh, cut her head off and set her on fire and then eat her skin. What are you going to do? <laughs> Talk down to white people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't actually think that uh, Senator Obama talks no. down to black people. No, my concern was that the limited focus on responsibility. We all must share the values of responsibility. We don't have to share We're not your problems. sharing anything. We're not sharing your apology. <laughs> that is yours. That's all on that side of the Maybe table. Maybe he wants to uh, uh, share what, what he cuts off Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and just... And, Maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think I am. So, I'm... I'm are these... It, it, when, let me back up here. When Jesse Jackson is making this insane statement about wanting to cut off Barack Obama's blanks... Mm-hmm. Um, he is, was he referring to the statements that Barack Obama made on Father's Day about not being an absentee father? I don't know. This is what I heard. Now, I may be wrong about this. What the version of the story I read this morning is that Jesse Jackson was allegedly sort of peeved by statements that Barack Obama made on Father's Day about sticking around and not being an absentee father, and that Jesse Jackson took those remarks as being uh, condescending or, or, or talking down to the black community. Now, that all being said, doesn't Jesse Jackson himself have an illegitimate kid? Yes. So that's, that's what I thought. So, you know, I'm just saying. All right, here's Tim Riley. So Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton all together in the Midtown Manhattan Hotel ballroom, part of a fundraising breakfast today. Obama sounds like the two are on the ticket together. Well, you don't really see the bulls. That's the wrong one. Uh, it's almost like they're together. We will not just win this election, but we will change the country and change the world. And you will give Senator Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama a chance to transform America once again. Wait, when was that? This morning. 
They're in New York City. Can you play that again? Play it again, Tim. We will not just win this election, but we will change the country and change the world. And you will give Senator Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama a chance to transform America once again. That's an intriguing statement. Yeah. Why would he say that, Tim? Well, it's beginning to sound like they're on the ticket together, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. And we haven't heard Hillary chat in a long time. Let's listen to her. And anyone who voted for me. She got a bad mic has so much in common with those who voted for Barack. Somebody's trying to sound softer. That's I that almost sounds like well, someone she needs to speak to the engineer about getting a better mic. I'm sure <laughs> that's like a box somewhere. <laughs> she was on the she was on the sure SM seven. That was the problem. That was like she the was fuzzy on... lens in a lifetime movie. Totally. I mean that's yeah, she was yeah, I think she had to speak to somebody about her processing. <laughs> um but I mean but you're totally right in that we haven't heard her a lot lately, have no. we? So I would that doesn't that almost seem like by design? She's probably been in therapy. I mean, <laughs> just sitting there, just, just, just with a, which is what. Let's with a, repeat once again. You did not win, Hillary. With, with a doll of herself. Now show me where Barack hurt you. It was right here. Um, I want a Barack Obama doll. <laughs> the, um, but, but the fact that they've kept her out of the public eye, and then now when she speaks, she's doing it so softly. That almost sounds like someone has softly as I leave you. Ex- someone has gotten her in a room, and they said, "Now look." You know why you lost? Here's the thing. If people are going to accept you as vice president, you have to speak softly and infrequently. Like a woman in the suburbs. <laughs> you are like you've just taken the green pill. That was that. There was a whole separate, by the way, Valley of the Dolls trailer that I almost played this morning. Like you're politely serving refreshments. <laughs> would, you, would you gentlemen care for cold cuts? Uh, there, was, I, there was that Valley of the Dolls trailer that I played today, in which I know it sounds inappropriate and awkward to say this, but boy, Sharon Tate was hot in that. Not so much later. But, I mean, in that, she was really, really beautiful. Also, you know who was just scorchingly hot on that is Patty Duke, of all people. Yeah. And she was a nutcase, too. Yeah. Yeah, a slut. Um, I saw John Aston got a hold of her. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, that's right. He was like, he was like 100 years older than her, and, you know, this mustachioed guy going after this crazy young girl. <laughs> she And she does have crazy eyes in that movie. Yeah. And everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for John Aston. I love that guy, John Aston. He's still alive, isn't he? I just saw him on a, on a movie really? recently. Yeah. I can't think of what it was. Yeah, he's fantastic. I dig him. Uh, John McCain made something funny today. Uh, he made a controversial crack about Iraq while dining with his wife in Pennsylvania. He made the so-called killing Iranians remark while addressing the issue of the biggest export of Iran being cigarettes. Maybe that's a way of killing them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant that as a joke. War is funny. That's terrific. Uh-huh. Yeah. I laughed. I lulzed. Uh By the way, did Tim just... You're not allowed to start saying that. Sorry. Did Tim just go from a story about castrating Barack Obama to one about Barack being in a ballroom? Just yeah. checking. Mm-hmm. All right. I sure I'm just, did. I'm just clarifying. Here's Tim Riley. People have a lot of time to think about these yes, things. Yes, they do. More, so, more than I do. We don't even analyze these we things. We just throw this together and it comes out the way it does. You know, radio is a transitory. We say these things and they're forgotten. Yes. They uh, evaporate into thin air once they're out of our heads. Uh, Ted Kennedy's back to work today on the uh, Senate floor. After they removed his brain tumor, he cast a vote for a uh, key Medicare bill. Be able to be uh, protected is a key defining issue for this Congress and for this country. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity to be able to express my voice and my vote. And, and how are you? How are you feeling, sir? Because I'm feeling fine. Sound like he was at Nordstrom's. 
Uh, yes, it was a busy day. He said his spirits are filled by the generous welcome he received from his colleagues on both sides of the aisle. We've uh, agreed with people and differed with some, but it's it's nice to be able to get a good, uh, uh, good round of applause from even those that we differ with uh, from time to time. I'm playing that, you know. That's coming from over here. You, you just had the most quizzical look on your face. Like okay. that wasn't like that when I died. Yeah, Tim just had Tim's brow was furrowed in the most quizzical look I've ever seen. Like you couldn't figure it's out. Like, it's it's not possible to make music and get the sound bites on this board. No, that's my touching Ted Kennedy. Not touching Ted Kennedy. That's my, uh, my touching. Ted that's Kennedy my touching. Music. That's my nobody wants to be touching Ted Kennedy. <laughs> that's my touching music. Okay. That's not doesn't sound right. Let Daddy put on his touching music. Hold on. Okay. Uh, no, this is the music that I play whenever there's a. Uh... Remember when we were trying to find your um, your live read bed? Yes. This is one of the patriotic beds that we almost chose for your live read bed uh-huh. before we went with smoke gets in your eyes. Um, but now it's become our touching stories about Ted Kennedy music. <laughs> Now that we got that straight. Uh, the best part was just watching, like, as you played it, and you clearly thought it was part of the soundbite you'd mixed in. All right. Sorry about any. Rick Emerson regrets the confusion. It's, it's like, I never have two pots up at once. When it's <laughs> I must be losing, and it must be old timer sitting here. <laughs> as if I don't have enough problems with middle age. <laughs> well, we'll get, some, we'll get some music for that, too. Okay. I've got when for the day that you announce you have Alzheimer's. Which uh, when I announce I have Alzheimer's. <laughs> This just in. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk to a young California man gored by a bull during the running of the bulls in Spain. Marcus Wolf of Bakersfield describes how it feels. Well, you don't really see the bulls. You just see a mob of people with a couple of horns poking out every once in a while. And we got to a corner, and I got in a bad spot in the corner, and that's when I felt the bull and turned around and saw two bulls climbing over the top of me. Please describe the gaping wound in your side. It's not, it's not that big. I guess it's... Uh, it's about the size of a silver dollar. That's from where the Roman soldier threw the spear. Uh, please explain what happened again. And once the bull hit me, I you know, obviously knew right away. And then the <laughs> bull think? cleared yeah. out. <laughs> That's some real investigative work there. My friend who had just gotten ahead of me turned around, came back, and kind of dragged me to a, an old man who had his door open. Dragged me to an old man <laughs> who had his door open? That's correct. <laughs> Whatever. Well, he dragged me to the witch doctor who told me what to do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Christy Brinkley and her ex-husband Peter Cook have reached a divorce settlement. It came early this morning after an intense set of negotiations. It gives Brinkley sole custody of their children, 13-year-old Jack and 10-year-old Sailor, as well as 18 properties. They're all in the Hamptons, too. When did we all uh, take a, a vote and decide to care about Christy Brinkley's divorce? Seriously, what has it's she big, done? It's a big New York thing, apparently. I guess. And I mean, I mean, I hate that. I mean, really, uh, Is she like a big socialite there or something? I think? guess so. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I don't hang around the Hamptons myself. <laughs> yeah, I read that they, like, they were dividing thing. up her 18 places in the Hamptons That's or something. That's correct, yes. But, I mean, I hate to say this, but, I mean, didn't she, like, a, like, an, like a, an independently wealthy supermodel? Can't she buy her own houses? Or is this stuff they bought while they were together? I guess so. They haven't been together that long. It was, like, her fourth marriage. Well, she's agreeing to pay Cook $2.1 million. Oh, she's paying him? Yeah. Oh, well, interesting. Him. Cook is allowed to have parenting time, but uh, Brinkley has all the decision-making power. 
It's a 10-year marriage. It ended two years ago. Because the person that you want to give decision-making power to is the ditzy supermodel who chooses four bad husbands in a row. He was having an affair with his then-teenage assistant. Oh. I think uh, a mother's greatest fear is somebody trying to take her children, trying to take custody of her children, and that's what I was up against. Is that her? Yeah, maybe. I guess I never really heard her speak. That's no. the first time. No, I don't think I've ever heard her speak either. Hmm. Oh, there you go. Would you rather listen to her than uh, Hillary? Um, not the new doctor Hillary. You know, the, yeah, yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same old Hillary, Tim. That's true. Uh, here's a little something for the fans of The Office. As of today, the comedy has begun airing a series of three to four minute long webisodes. The Office star Oscar Nunez says the mini show should help tie the fans over now that the regular season has uh, suspended. They really stand on their own. They 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 are not tied into anything that happened in, in the show per se. They kind of stand on their own. They're just little, self-contained little episodes. It's like a little, uh, you know, hors d'oeuvre before the main course. By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. You know why this is? This is because they're ramping up to do that spin-off series. They're going to do The Office 2 or whatever they're oh. going to call it. Mm-hmm. So, it which seems like a really bad idea. I mean, they should count themselves lucky enough that this American office actually ended up being good. Because everybody was just waiting for it to be a big, huge failure. They, they're really, really pushing their luck by trying to do a second one. Well, the... Uh... Oh, an Oregon teacher has been elected the 2008 National Teacher of the Year. He's Michael Geisen. He's a science teacher at Crick County Middle School in Prineville. He admits he fell into teaching all by accident. My degree was actually from the University of Washington in forest management, and I spent several years as a professional forester in Washington and Oregon, and uh, teaching had never really crossed my mind. He just got bored being in a forest. I realized uh, after some reflection that, that teaching was going to provide that kind of passion for me. And not only that, it would help me really make a difference in the lives of students. This is the most boring soundbite ever. <laughs> it really is. This is completely tedious. Hey, let me ask you this, Tim Riley. Um, do you believe there is, is there any reason for us to be talking to Jim Roop today about the SAG situation? Well, they're having their final meeting this afternoon. Has anything been decided yet? Nothing has been decided, and I guess something will come out of the meeting this afternoon. You, I, I just checked the website. Would you say that it is uh, that there's any new news to report? No. The new news will be the final decision made this afternoon. There's so, there's nothing being talked about publicly at this moment. So perhaps we should um, uh, not have Jim on. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll send Tyler an email. It was a little bit of a... I will cover that. For you, yes. personally. That's what I, as I figured you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, plus it's a little bit of a chaotic day. So that's uh, one. I have inside information that's not privy to the general public. Really? Well, I will later. I'll know first. I'm already coveting that information. All right. Well, let's go to Russia, shall we? Where no. <laughs> a Russian woman killed her drunk husband with a folding couch. The man's wife upset with her husband for being drunk and refusing to get up. He's Russian. That's true. What's a Russian man to do, really? I mean... <laughs> so she kicked the handle during an argument, activating a mechanism that falls the couch up into a wall. So the Russians do make something that does work. Uh, the couch that doubles as a bed and probably a swimming pool in the dining room table say, because it is he Russia. Lives, he lives in Russia. Yeah. What is there to do but drink and sit around? Uh... It falls up into the wall to automatically save space, so it does work. Oh, it's one of those beds that goes uh, that goes up like an ironing board. Yeah, like a Murphy bed. I have one of those. Yeah. Ones. Living in L.A. Now, is that does that go up um, manually, or is it like spring-loaded, or is it like It is spring-loaded, but it goes up manually. At least the old one. I, I don't think anything in rushes. <laughs> electronic. <laughs> I mean, it takes a little elbow grease. <laughs> you know, the mu- muscles of a Russian woman to activate this. <laughs> 
It's like, I mean, she gets it's the, like seeing a donkey the in a babushka. Arms the size of an ox. I'm sure she had no problem <laughs> pushing this thing into the wall. It's like seeing Mr. Ed in a kerchief. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the man fell uh, between the mattress and the back of the couch. The woman then walked out of the room and returned three hours later to check. And noticed, uh, nice of her. an unusually quiet sleeping husband. <laughs> Usually he's just awake lying in bed. But this time he was sleeping. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so a private rescue service removed the man's body. A video on the uh, Washington Television Station's website shows emergency workers sawing away side panels of a couch to remove the man <laughs> in his underwear, lying headfirst between the cushions. Wow. I'm going to have to go look for this. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. Well, li- life in those Soviet states. Things are getting better every day. Yes, they are, Tim. Oh, do you hear, see those pictures of Michael Jackson in the wheelchair? No, no. Was that him? You said he's frail and his skin is peeling off. Yes. Uh, photos of Michael Jackson snapped on Monday revealed the gaunt star wearing pajamas and being pushed around in a wheelchair at a Vegas bookstore. The photographer who captured the beleaguered uh, king of pop tells the New York Daily News he looked frail, his skin was peeling, and he looked so thin and gaunt. But, I mean, he's always looked frail and thin and gaunt. Really, only the peeling of the skin is new here. Mm-hmm. Jackson and his children, uh, uh, Prince the First, Paris, and Prince the Second. Oh, there are two of them. Spent two hours at Barnes & Noble in Vegas. When the singer arrived in pajamas and surgical mask over his face, black scarf and a marine baseball cap. The singer browsed through the children's books and CDs and then left separately from his three children. Store employees uh, took the purchases out to a waiting SUV. So I wonder what he bought specifically. Uh, Jackson has claimed that health problems forced him to cover himself at all times. Mm-hmm. I have uh, so many Madonna stories here at Alex Rodriguez. These things are coming up on the minute. Yes, they are. Alex Rodriguez. It, I think there's, uh, there's somebody in New York. Is, them here. They've just have some all Madonna <laughs> news. The <laughs> industry. <laughs> so uh, Madonna's baseball pal Alex A. Rod Rodriguez has been house hunting in a New York apartment block near the pop uh, superstar's Manhattan home. The pair has been uh, forced to deny an affair following a tabloid report linking them romantically. But according to the Post. Rodriguez, whose wife Cynthia recently filed for divorce, is currently considering a number of pads in the exclusive 15 Central Park West building, two blocks from Madonna and husband Guy Ritchie's Big Apple home. A building insider tells the Post he's looking at four or five places up there. Then we have the story of the ex-tripper who uh, says uh, she spent two nights with Alex Rodriguez. She's from Boston, and she came forward to say that she slept with the Yankee third baseman twice in 2004. And that Cynthia Rodriguez did the right thing, filing filing for divorce. A leopard doesn't change his spot, said Stripper. A a leopard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good for her. I think she's doing the smart thing, and she'll probably get tons of cash. Uh, This woman who's uh, 31 says she shared two nights with A-Rod when he was on the road in 2004 after she met him during a Red Sox-Yankee clash at Fenway Park. Two nights with A-Rod. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) He introduced himself, asked me who I was. And if I wanted to meet up for drinks later, it was like, hell yeah. Uh, then she and A-Rod went back to his suite at the Ritz-Carlton and had sex. The stripper told the paper uh, she felt guilty when she found out that Cynthia Rodriguez was pregnant with the couple's first child. She realized his wife was having a baby, so it put a damper on any thought she had. I'm sure strippers are just always filled with guilt and shame about it. But then everything. they got together three months later again. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, she was really racked with guilt. Uh-huh. By the way, speaking of it, you were saying that she, what's her name, uh, uh, Cynthia, what's her name? Cynthia. Cynthia Rodriguez? I guess that's the last name, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's A-Rod's wife. Uh, Mrs. Rod, that 
she's looking for she's considering a place at what fifteen Central Park West or whatever. Oh, no, he is. He is. Yes. Wouldn't New York? Next to Madonna. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that this is a thing you should do, but doesn't it seem like New York would be the easiest place to stalk somebody ever? Because it's like there's they so little. They just don't do that there for some reason. Because there's so little real. That's what John Lennon thought. There's so yeah. little real estate in New York uh-huh. that it's not like in it's not like in L.A. Where you can just, where you're up in the Hollywood Hills and it's a long winding thing and you gotta go through nine gates to get there and nobody can see the house. In New York, it's like an apartment building you can walk right up to. Hey, everybody on earth lives there. Hey, there's Jennifer Aniston. Well, half the fun is chasing people in cars and you can't do that in New York. I suppose. Yes, yeah, random celebrities are just everywhere. My sister will write me, like, daily. Like, she bumped into Kristen Dunst at a bar the other night. Do you suppose it's a cultural thing that in New York they just consider themselves too cool? Like, their whole thing is to be nonplussed. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston, what can you do? You know, like, that's, is their whole thing there just to be, like, too too cool for the room and not, and you know, pretend that they don't see celebrities all the time? Possibly. All right. Well, okay. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's another story. It looks like Madonna's actually at the top of Alex Rodriguez's list. Entertainment Tonight reports the Yankee slugger will be throwing an all-star party in New York to celebrate Major League Baseball's All-Star Week. And Madonna's one of the VIP guests at the bash. Last week, several New York newspapers reported that he was spending time with Madonna, with some suggesting the two are romantically linked, both denied. Uh, earlier this week, A-Rod's wife filed for divorce, of course. A-Rod's party being held at the 4040 Club, owned by the rap mogul Jay-Z. The guest list also includes Beyonce, MLB players Jorge Posada, David Ortez, and Jason Giovanni. I think that's it for the, uh, the A-Rod stories for a while. Well, for today, anyway. Uh, then we have the story of John Mayer's girlfriend, Jennifer Aniston, blasting rumors that she discovered a batch of love letters from the rocker's ex, Jessica Simpson, dismissing the claim as false. I would completely, if I was uh, that guy, John, I would completely keep letters from Jessica Simpson. You never know when someone's going to overdose and those things become valuable. Well, the former Friends actress, who became romantically linked to Mayer earlier this year, said she found the notes in the singer's guitar case. Uh, Jennifer was more hurt than angry at the discovery. The letters, uh, surprisingly, were very touching and well-written. <laughs> it's almost certainly not true. Yeah, that sounds true. like what a that, woman would that, say. That really... That, that, you know what, even though I found a, a whole slew of my boyfriend, my current boyfriend's ex-girlfriend's you know, love notes, I want to say that they were really well-written. <laughs> I do appreciate it. come out of her face. I admired her use of iambic pentameter, especially. All right. Uh, Jennifer, as a representative and sister story, is completely fabricated. Secret actress Olivia Newton-John has reportedly wed, according to Australia's Daily Tele- is this Telegram. Is story from this decade? This is brand new. Really? Remember her old boyfriend disappeared? No. Well, she found another one quick. Yeah, yeah, the guy disappeared. Uh, Patrick McDermott. Oh, and he, he went fishing. He went on a fishing trip and never came back. Went fishing. Never with, found. Went fishing with Lacey Peterson. Apparently so. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, she's uh, she found love again. The 59-year-old star married 49-year-old Australian entrepreneur John Easterling over the weekend. Apparently, guests thought they were attending a 4th of July barbecue, but discovered they arrived at a wedding. The attempt to uh, confirm the nuptials went unanswered by Us Magazine. And, uh, yeah, she's gotten over the loss of her uh, first boyfriend who went fishing and didn't come back. Former White House advisor Carl Rove defied a congressional subpoena and refused to testify today about allegations and political pressure at the Justice Department, including whether he influenced the prosecution of a former Democratic governor in Alabama. Uh, Rove is also uh, scheduled to appear at a House Judiciary Subcommittee this morning. A placard with his name sat in front of an empty chair at a witness table, and a handful of protesters uh, behind it called for Rove to be arrested. So, I mean, why should they follow the law at this point? No, there's no point. Nobody cares. Then a Toyota engineer uh, designing the Camry hybrid worked himself to death. 
The Japanese Labor Bureau has ruled that one of Toyota's top engineers died from working too many hours. The latest in the string of such findings in a nation that works long hours. And where employers are used to it, apparently, the man was only 45. He'd been under severe pressure as a lead engineer in developing the hybrid version of Toyota's blockbuster Camry line. The man's identity is being withheld at the request of his family, who will continue to live in Toyota City, where the company is based. Toyota City. Toyota City. And the two months up to his death, the man averaged more than 80 hours of overtime a month. He worked nights and weekends, frequently uh, was sent abroad, and was grappling with shipping a model of the pivotal North American International Auto Show a demo card in Detroit when he died of a heart disease problem. The man's daughter found the body at their home the day before he was supposed to leave for the United States. In a statement from Toyota, they offered their condolences and said it would work to improve monitoring the health of its workers. Uh, this is an effort in Japan to cut down on deaths from overwork known as karoshi. Uh, such deaths have steadily increased since the health ministry first recognized the phenomenon in 1987. And they're going to start making that uh, Toyota hybrid over here in Mississippi or Alabama. That's what I heard, that the, the Prius, right? The Prius. The Prius, because that had been made overseas, and they're going to start making it here in America. Which is, You wonder how much the American auto industry is fighting that, because on the one hand, they, they, they want to you know, stop this uh, spiraling, I don't know, this sort of weird death grip that the recession has on the auto industry. You see that Chrysler is actually stopping all of their production lines for weeks at a time now? Yeah. Uh, which is just unheard of. I mean, it's just staggering. Uh, so on the one hand, they want to start making money again. On the other hand, you know how the American auto industry reacts to change, which is badly and poorly. I mean, it just took forever. The for, I mean, even the 70s, it took forever for the auto industry. It took us getting our asses beaten by the Japanese constantly. And what us, did they do? They went back and made gas guzzlers again. Like they didn't they, learn the first time. They never learned. That's the thing. Like in the 70s, Sarah's too young to remember this, but in the 70s, American cars used to just be... Huge boats. They were boats and made out of iron, <laughs> iron and concrete, and 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 just and hate. And they were they were huge and they weighed a thousand tons, and they got like nine miles to the gallon. And then the recession hit, and there was no gas, and everybody was lining up, and then there was fights and punchings and maimings and whatever. And the the, the Japanese came over and just cleaned our clocks uh, in the auto industry, and it just took us years to finally figure out that we ought to be selling things that are smaller, more fuel efficient. And then what do we do? Immediately, no, 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 buy, buy a big Canyon Arrow, and immediately everything got big again, and now we're just being hosed again. And we, we really are just the dumbest creatures in some ways. We never figure it out. No. Oh. Anyway, a uh, five-day uh, search for a nine-year-old boy abducted by his father in Southern California ended in Mexico, where the man died after being hit by a bus, and the boy was found safe. Ryan Romeros was found alone at a Mormon church building in Suidad Juarez, Mexico. And arrived back home in Orange County Monday, where he was reunited with his family. He'd been missing since Wednesday when his father, Loni Romos, allegedly shot his estranged wife during a custody exchange and took off the child. The boy's mother is in good condition at a nearby hospital. She's recovering from gunshot wounds to the chest, stomach, and right eye. Uh, so uh, the father who took off the boy was hit by a bus, so it's, it's no longer an issue, apparently. The British government sponsored... Uh, has a new organization saying toddlers who say yuck when given unfamiliar foreign food may be exhibiting racist behavior. The Telegraph newspaper cites a guide from the British-based National Children's Bureau providing advice on recognizing potentially racist behavior in children. It states, uh, children as young as three say yuck in reaction to culinary traditions other than their own. The guide is called Young Children and Racial Justice. It's given to nursery schools. This is a stupid that study. That's the stupidest study. <laughs> it's really fundamentally stupid. Uh-huh. There's, there's no truth to this. This seems made up. 
I, let's go on to something else. We have audio from this story? No. Oh, okay. nuts. <laughs> uh, let's see. This email says, uh, Rick, oh, by the way, uh, Emerson says, your streets are just west of uh, Greeley Avenue in North Portland. There is an Emerson Street, Emerson Drive, and Emerson Court. Fantastic. All right, I have to get my uh, photo taken there, clearly. Here's one. Rick, is it just me, or do other people find it unbelievably annoying when you see a bicyclist waiting at a stoplight, but they won't put their feet on the ground? They do that pedaling back and forth thing to keep their bike upright instead of just resting their feet on the ground. Oh, fix gear. I don't know why it irritates me so much. Just put your feet on the ground. It's like joggers who keep jogging in place while waiting for the light to change. You just look like a tool, says this disproportionately angry email. Uh, how about this, Rick? It's all bicyclists all the time today. Yeah. Uh, Rick, why is it that they can get pot up for a vote to raise money, but they can't get bikes registered through the DMV for bicyclists over 18? They could record this. This actually makes sense. They could record the serial number and issue a small plate for bicyclists like taxis and get the bike riders to help pay for bike lanes and bike boxes. Uh, if they're going to use the road like cars, they should be able to obey the laws like car, but the cars, but also be registered like cars. That's not such a bad idea. Yeah. I know. I've thought about that, But too, they have but... to pay for all that bike stuff anyway. I I, yeah. I, I just... I don't... I mean, people who I've don't ride bikes have to pay for bike lanes. That's mm. that's that's the thing about it. Yeah, but it, I don't right? have children, and I'm paying for other kids, you know, healthcare. But I'm just saying, if we're all going to be, if we're all going to get lumped into one pot, we should, you know, everybody should, you know, I guess have to pay equally. But I mean, to whatever extent you can just, I get maybe put. I mean, I it, it doesn't seem like such a bad idea to me that if you're going to be in the road and have the same rights as a car, and if we're going to pay money to create sections of the road just for you, it doesn't seem so out of proportion to ask you to get a license. Yeah, but it's not a complete. It's it's not a, it's not an all or nothing. I mean, being a bicycle isn't being a car. It isn't like you're always a car. It's just in certain circumstances you have to act like a car. But I mean, bicycles still have that. They're still fun. Like it's fun and carefree, and to be able to like go and just buy, pick up a bike for fifty bucks, not to worry about going to the DMV and getting it licensed. I don't know. It's just it seems like a completely different creature to me. It is part of the American way. Riding the bike, holding out your arms, going wee. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> and the bicyclists, too. They're very carefree people. Uh, this email says, uh, the SAG vote could affect geeks. This is from Aaron. It says, why, you ask? Because if the SAG members vote to strike, big-name actors will not be allowed to promote their films at the upcoming San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, it says, depending on who you ask, this is either good or bad uh, for the con. So, uh, by the way, that's why they started... Um, moving up all of the Dark Knight stuff uh, because they were just terrified that the vote was going to happen and that nobody from the film was going to be able to go on and do junkets and promote the film, which is why all of the Dark Knight uh, marketing and interviews got moved up so drastically. Here's Tim Riley. Behind the Tiffany Curtain, Sunder Redstone, who recently patched up differences with his daughter Sherry that flared up last summer, is reasserting she will not automatically succeed him as chairman. In an interview, uh, it was teased in this morning's New York Times Apparently, correspondent David Faber asked Sumner Redstone point-blank if Sherry Redstone would succeed him and oversee both Viacom and CBS. No, the mogul roared. The reason that she won't Did succeed... he really roar? Yes. Uh, she won't succeed me is not that she isn't qualified, but I made it clear that good governance requires that two public companies, they're not private like national amusements, and two companies like private companies... Wow, this guy talks like Barack Obama. Uh, not you, Sumner Redstone, the way it's written. The board should decide who succeeds me. <laughs> I'm not worried because it's going to be another 20 to 30 years. But he's 85. <laughs> Maybe he has access he's, to... He's like the Fidel Castro <laughs> of the media. That's Tim Riley who said that. <laughs> who lives a vigorous life. Uh, who's a glorious leader. Yeah. Maybe Sumner Redstone has access to secret Viacom life-extending technology that we mere mortals don't see. Well, he has that the final talks are being held about buying out his daughter's interest in CBS and Viacom. But what does she do? 
She tells him what to do. But I mean, does she, she have at a table and waits for him to retire? Does she? <laughs> I <laughs> her nails looking at the clock and just tapping her fingers. All right, I, but I mean, does she, she have out her pet egg while she's sitting at the? <laughs> asking what's next. Somebody sent me the worst email the other day about the pet egg. Do you want to know what it said? No. Well, yes, I do. Sarah, do you want to know what it said? No, I, I just won't listen. All right. So somebody sent me the pet egg, and they said that they had this horrific half-awake, half-asleep daydream where they confused the pet egg with the Parmesan cheese shaker. Oh, uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, so Sumner Redstone's daughter. Now, what, did, what does she do for Viacom? Does she have, like, an official position? I think she's on the board. And she just, okay. So she, But they had some sort of spat? Yeah, they've been fighting for a long time. All right. Well, there She you wants go. to take over, and he refuses to step down. But, I mean, if you're Sumner Redstone's kid, how unhappy can you be? you got like a jillion dollars in the bank probably, more waiting for you at some point. So it seems like you ought to be able to just, uh, you know, put, you know put a, put a, turn that smile up. Turn that frown upside down. Well, I guess so. Let's do a hick watch. Here's your hick watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. I apologize for the disorganized nature of today's program, Tim. Not a problem. It's already 1.30. No, it's like some sort of freight train on grease things. This comes to us from Frederick, Maryland. Uh, Frederick Cameron will be featured on the country music television show, My Big Redneck Wedding. John West, the owner of the Woodsboro Tavern, tells the Frederick News Post, a couple approached him about filming the reception at the business. A CMT crew showed up for a May wedding. Uh, Wance wants the episode to air in October. The couple are now married, and they're living on a farm in Maryland. I had no idea such a show existed. What is it called? It is called My Big Redneck Wedding. All right, I'm too lazy to even make jokes about this. Gross. All right, well, there you go. There's your hick watch, which is less interesting than I thought it would be. Don't forget, the uh, the kids of Whitney High will be joining us in the studio uh, later on today and uh, apparently performing. Tim, is there any jingle you'd like to have the kids of Whitney High sing for you? I'll have to think about that. They could perhaps sing some sort of introductory news piece. I suppose that's possible. Uh, this email says, uh, will Richie be auditioning for the kids of Whitney High? You know, here's the thing about this. You have no idea. You have no idea. <gasps> I can cue it up again. We should totally play it. Yeah, cue that thing up of Richie singing, and we'll give an introduction to it and play it later. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So it's like a big bat of bubbling goo. Water service in the northeast Portland neighborhood is out, and traffic is being detoured after a water main broke. Uh, this is affecting traffic in the area of northeast 82nd and Sandy Boulevard. The break happened at northeast 79th and Sandy. Traffic is being directed around the mess, which uh, spans a three-block area. Crews are providing bottled water to residents who uh, lost water service. So if you're home, well, you should be working anyway. Or else still in top of the wire. Maybe wait till nightfall. <laughs> you're that's what you get for being unemployed, hippie. All right. Now, let's see. We already did that story and that story. I'm trying to get myself... Oh, rock star Kanye West is heading to anger management class. The Chicago Sun-Times reports West's own management team gave him a push to help his personal psychological well-being and his relationship with friends. The ability to hold his temper in check also helps in snaring lucrative endorsement deals. Two major corporations are reportedly interested in using Kanye, but a spokesman said they're concerned about how easy he'll be to work with. 
A West insider said the talented but often testy star has estranged himself from some pretty important people in the music business, and his temper has driven away a number of longtime friends. That's Kanye West. Who knows? So, where does he live? Doesn't say. Either L.A. or New York, I would imagine. Early morning raids on two Clackamas apartment complexes have people claiming a victory against the local heroin and crack underworld. Seven people <laughs> the have been underworld. The Clackamas crack underworld. I don't think we really. I don't think Clackamas is big enough to really have an underworld. Mm-hmm. I think there's just guys there. I think there's just dudes who sell you heroin. Please take a whack out of crack, and clack. They arrested seven people. Is that your as told by Variety? If this was a Variety yeah. headline. They arrested seven people selling crack, heroin, paraphernalia, electronics, and cash. How do you sell cash? <laughs> that doesn't make any No, it doesn't. <laughs> they descended on the Overlook Apartments in the Clackamas Village Apartments. What do you suppose those apartments overlook? Oh, I don't <laughs> Corpses. <laughs> It's a dumpster overflowing with human waste. Well, the funny thing is, they're showing a picture of a toilet, and it, and it, and it looks like it looks like somebody dumped a, a box of good and plenties into it. Oh, uh, wow. I don't even know what's in that. Every drug in the world, apparently. <laughs> I love the idea that it's a Clackamas story, though, and the only photo accompanying it is just a big toilet. And under, and under it, it says Clackamas County. <laughs> the photo is actually a toilet, a toilet seat <laughs> full of drugs, and underneath it, it says Clackamas <laughs> You have to put that on your webpage. Oh, that's, that's so great. Oh, uh, you do, do you, the Chamber of Commerce. Thanks you for doing that. You should, you should, you should link to that story. Oh. <laughs> that is so great. It's just a picture of a toilet full of drugs, and the caption is Clackamas County. What? Where is that from? This is from KGW. Well done, KGW. Way to have pride in one's community. Uh huh. Jesus. So over a two-month period, investigators said they staked up parking lots in Milwaukee, Happy Valley, and Clackamas, watching drug sales. And what the deputies found was shocking. Some of the users, quite young, many in their teens and early 20s. That is shocking. In one case, deputies say the young mother even bought crack cocaine and heroin as her toddler looked on proudly. Well, how is the kid going to learn how to haggle for drugs if he's not there when mom does it? One of the people arrested is a 16-year-old runaway with a felony warrant. Another suspect was hit with a charge of sex abuse for having sex with a girl. They found 82 grams of heroin, 36 grams of crack along with packaging equipment, balloons and bags. Places like an open-air prison. Electronics and a motorcycle. <laughs> in one apartment, the SWAT team said they came in just as the suspects were unsuccessfully trying to flush dozens of heroin balloons <laughs> down the toilet. Hence the picture, Clackamas County. Uh, that's great. Our deputy said the apartment manager is a very cooperative in the investigation, grateful for the efforts of the police. <laughs> now where are they going to find new tenants? At least they had money to spend. You know, they're eventually going to have to rename that whole city something else. Uh-huh. I mean, it's going to be how, like, uh, RJR Nabisco is now called in blah, 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 or something. They came up, you know, Ar- Arvidia or something. They, 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 they came up with some innocuous, innocuous sounding name. I mean, that's, that's really, you're just going to have to uh, either raise that whole place to the ground or just come up with a different name to sort of deceive people into moving there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break and reset a little. It shook its steam to shut out hot lava off and on for three years, but now Mount St. Helens is going back to sleep. Yes, it was a three-year-long lava dome eruption that Mount St. Helens had began in August uh, 2004 and paused in late January. It has ended. It has lowered the level of the alert for the volcano to normal, signaled by the color green. Uh, they studied the lava dome for five months, 
and it showed no sign of passing gas. Uh, they added that when they watched the rate of the lava dome rapidly decline throughout the eruption, it accounted for at least 93 million cubic meters of new lava, or a volume that would cover seven lanes of the highway from New York to Portland. How did they figure this stuff out? But now that the eruption is over, it doesn't mean the mountain will remain entirely at rest. They could erupt at any second. See, they just do that to keep it a tourist attraction, though. Yeah. Like, if they just told, like, it'll never erupt again, it's over, it's done, it's finished, nobody would ever go there. No. At the end, that's how they just tag that whole, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, that's like how Ray Manzarek recently has started tagging all of his interviews by saying, ah, well, you know, Jim Morrison may still be alive living in a treehouse in South America, because he knows that it makes the whole thing more interesting. That's how you keep, uh, you know... That, it's like uh, it's like uh, the Loch Ness monster. And they, they, you know, if they just definitively came out and said, uh, "No, it's it's just a duck." Like nobody would go. But so they have to kind of float the mystery a little bit to keep the tourism dollars going. That's what they have to do with Mount St. Helen. Yes. All right. Uh, well, let's take a break here. We'll come back. We'll reset. We'll do some more news around the corner. Sarah Dillon has created. I'm exhausted. Sarah Dillon has created a top five for us today. And later on, the kids of Whitney High will be in the studio with us. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you all for coming by. In uh, just a few moments, we will talk to the kids of Whitney High, who are standing by uh, in the Art Alexakis Green Room as we speak. All right. Uh, coming up later on, we will talk to uh, Tim Riley for more of your news updates. And Sarah Dillon has prepared a top five for us. Indeed, I have you... a little billboard prepared what, it for me. What is the top five today? It's from my 13th birthday, from the week of October 9th, 1993. Excellent. Fantastic. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Oh, before we do anything else, let's yes, uh, yes. talk to our good friend Dave Zinn. He said he had quite the story for us. Good afternoon. Dave Zinn, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are you doing? I am fantabulous, my friend. Uh, so, all right. So, you were just down here, and there's a little bit of a chaotic day, but so we had Joey Chestnut, competitive eater, uh, in the studio today, and then you told me. So, somebody was calling, looking for him. What was the What was the deal with that? Okay, so this was when Joey was downstairs doing the interview. I got a call at the front desk, and. Um... You know, it was like a lady saying, oh, I'm so desperately trying to get in touch with, with Joey Chestnut. He had, you know, hasn't returned my calls, and, you know, I'm just desperately trying to get a hold of him. And I, and I was thinking, oh, it's a long, an old friend or something, you know. And uh, she's like, could you take a message for me? And did I you at like, first, be honest, did you at first think she was a Joey Chestnut groupie? Possibly. Yeah. Or maybe she was a hot dog vendor or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Crickets. Hey, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> All we have let- to say now is just crickets. I'm just letting you tell the story, brother. Right, so then she's like, could you take a message for me and pass it on to him? You know, I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, oh, this is Shannon. I'm calling on behalf of the uh, Dr. Doug and Skippy show. Ah. So uh, she's obviously listening. So it's good to know that the Buzz is actually listening to us for their show prep. That's fantastic. That's Hello, Buzz. How I think it's Charlie, oh, too. Oh, is it Charlie now? I can never tell over there. Yeah, it's like probably the same. I think it's like they just spin a wheel every week. Uh, wait, so those... So they called so they called the front desk of our radio station... To, to try get... to book a guest for their show. 
And right. uh, you're just the king of Portland media. Well, it's, you know, what am I going to tell you? It's too much creativity for one show. Did you, uh, did you A, not give them the info, B, give them the info, or C, give them fake info that was really like a, like a gay porn line? I uh, took the information, uh-huh. got the phone number. She asked what my name was, and I said it was Bill. <laughs> it's my father's name. Uh-huh. And I never passed it on. Excellent. Good for you. Thank you. Right into the right into the dumper with that. Good for you, Dave Zinn. All right. I can't wait for the Whitney High kids. All right. They're thank you, my right friend. Now. All right. There you go. Dave Zinn, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, by the way, apparently, apparently Joey... Okay, this makes me feel even better. Apparently, Joey Chestnut and all the competitive eaters, apparently they also flaked on Mike Chase this morning. I mean, I'm sorry. For no. Michael, you, know, we like, you know, we like Mike, but I mean, apparently they just never even showed up. Uh, so really, I feel even better about all this. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, we'll have Tim Riley back in the studio uh, from the Ministry of Truth. Uh, we will have uh, more exciting news happenings and odds and ends and whatnots uh, and uh, so forth. Sarah will be preparing her uh, top five as well, which is the top five songs from the week you turned 13. Yes, 1993. They are, ter- well, a couple of them are great. A couple of them are Are they more terrible, more great? or more greatly terrible? I'd probably say more terrible. Excellent. Fantastic. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And what must really be charitably (laughs) described is... The people we've ever had in the studio. This is, I think, the biggest crowd we've ever had, and this is the busiest day we've ever had. I mean, we were about 40 minutes behind at, at two minutes after the start of the show today. So in the space of... How long? We haven't even been on for three hours yet. It's not even two o'clock. Yeah, it seems like we've been on the air for like 20 minutes. We've already had two CNN radio correspondents. Uh, We've had two CNN radio correspondents and three competitive competitive eaters. We had three CNN. Three CNN correspondents and three competitive eaters. uh, And now the kids of Whitney High uh, joining us now in the studio. All right, so if you've been listening to the Rick Emerson Show for any amount of time, and I trust that you have, you have heard us uh, both uh, play the music of and talk about uh, the kids of Whitney High, who I came, they came to our attention. I mean, we've been doing this version of the show for like seven years, so it was a long time ago. Uh, and somebody, I think it was a listener, who last week, two weeks ago, something like that, called up and was like, dude, kids of Whitney High, Portland, backspace, word, or whatever. Uh, and immediately, we did it. Richie Bristol got on the phones and, and said about sort of getting the kids of Whitney High here in the studio. So... Um, there's, I would say, between 80 and 90 people in the studio right now. So we'll just sort of... There are 12 people in here. I, if, Twelve. I, I don't even know where to begin here. So we've got, let's just go, starting with me, well, let's go this direction, and we'll have everybody kind of step up to the mic for a second and introduce themselves. Uh, so we will start with you, my friend. Friend. I am Los Pedro Fernandez. I come from Los Angeles, California. And I'm here to represent the kids of Whitney High. Good for you, my Thank friend. You. Is this your first time in Portland? I lived here before, but yeah, this is my first time in the radio station. How long have you uh, lived in Los Angeles? I have lived there for really 13 years. Did you miss the rain? I miss the rain, hell yeah. All I right. miss the rain all the time. Here's the thing. You come back in November, and you live here for about two weeks, and then you will never miss the rain again. Because oh, no, I love rain. I'm a rain freak. <laughs> then you are. Then this is the, the place thing, to be. The only, the only thing I like about California is that uh, when I go up to San Francisco, I like to stop at my favorite Chinese restaurants because they feed me the best puppy stool in, in town. <laughs> <laughs> I even, okay. I, I even, I even, well, we're going to have to bleep that, unfortunately. Yeah. So the people who but listen thank online, you <laughs> that is, who really, who can argue with that logic in terms of picking a city? <laughs> um, all right. And next to you is? 
Is this a is this a banana shirt you are wearing? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Who who is this next to you? Oh, where um, and what is your name? My name is Elisa de la Torre. Hi. I'm Kiwi girlfriend. And how are you today? Fifteen years. And this is his design. Excellent. Did, Pee Wee, did you make this shirt that she's wearing? I sure did. Excellent. Fantastic. I did it for the, the Velvet Underground. Oh, that is uh, that yeah. is from yeah, the Velvet Underground album. Yeah, yeah. Well done. But, uh, but I made my own banana of how to shape banana. Not uh, some kind of wheat banana. Just, you know. So it's, it, is, it, is your, it is your own sort of design. Oh, sure. Sure is. And is this, you are Tanisa? Is that correct? Yes. All right, if, uh, we'll have you get a little closer to the microphone there. We tend to lose you just a little bit. You have to kind of stay. Hi, Tanisa, how are you today? I'm okay, and you? And you? I am fantastic. Is this, what is your shirt? Is it a zombie shirt? What is the shirt um, you're wearing? Yeah, it's not the zombie shirt, but it's kind of remind me of Michael Jackson, the Thriller app, the Thriller video. I can oh, see that with, like, with the green skin. With the green skin and the jacket. So, Excellent. And I, I, it was given to me as a gift. And now, have you been to Portland before, or is this your first um, time no, here? This is my first time, but I really enjoyed it. I hope we'll be able to come back again someday. Now, how many cities have you guys uh, gone to so far on this tour? Have you gone to a whole bunch? Ooh. or were you... We started in Los Angeles, and then we moved on to Santa Barbara, which is pretty fun. Now, once we made it to St. Louis Obispo, we had the 4th of July down there, and the funnest part, I guess, the food. You just kind of work in the whole country. Oh, yeah. All right, next to Tanisa, we have who? Hi, my my name is Kain. Hi, how are you today? Fine. I like your cowboy hat. Thank you. Excellent. And next, uh, wearing an Amoeba Music shirt from San Francisco. Right. The name is Shelly Allen Goodhope. Hello, Shelly. How are you today? Good. Do you like Amoeba Music? Have you shopped there? Super. I have spent many, many, many paychecks at Amoeba Music. <laughs> really, really seriously, walking in, anticipating that I would buy one CD. And Which Amoeba? Like, All the Amoebas? Well, there was, because the, I think they've closed one of them now. In fact, it, I don't know that it's, there was the one, wasn't there an Amoeba Music in Los Angeles that just closed? Am I no, right about that? It's there. It's still open. Didn't they close one of them? There was Because I haven't lived in California for about a decade, but there was some Amoeba that closed, and it was a whole huge, like, there was a big cultural trauma about it. Oh. Wasn't it Tower Records that closed down and ran out of business? There is Tower Records. That's also I gone. I hear they're all gone. Yes. Yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all gone now. You got iPods now that they replaced yeah, them. <laughs> you can carry your CD collection on your iPod and, and why carry a Walkman with a whole bunch of CDs? Exactly. Are you guys, now, are the kids of Whitney High, are you guys, uh, do you like downloadable music? Can you guys uh, get the kids of Whitney High on, on the iTunes or on the, uh, on the internet? I, yeah, I, they're there already, are they? Yeah. They sure are. <laughs> right next to Shelley, this is Michael. Michael, hello. How are you today? Hello, how are you? All right, and you are sort of, uh, you are the, uh, the you are, the, you are the, the main man. You are the figurehead here. I'm the teacher. <laughs> Don't how, pass me a beer. And the figurehead. <laughs> how, how long have you been doing this, Michael? Uh, do, uh, to, uh, <laughs> do, me, years. Let me do, do me a favor. Have you pull that microphone just a little bit closer? That microphone, especially, is a little twitchy. Um, so, uh, so how did the, how did the, Michael? How did this all begin? How did it start? Uh, it started um, at Whitney when I was wanted to put a songwriting class together for a musical. There was a teacher that did uh, plays, and I thought it'd be fun to do a musical. So that's how the class got started, but then we just started writing songs about anything. And this has been how long now that it's been uh, sort of an ongoing project? Yeah, I think it was 88 when I started. 1988. <laughs> yeah. 1988. Oh, yeah. So there have been many incarnations, you know, Menudo. Incarnation. Uh, it is. It is, it is, it is, it is <laughs> I was just going to say, so it is, uh, so it is, it is Whitney High uh, meets uh, Menudo, the, right. uh, the pop group. Ooh. So how many, how many kids total have sort of cycled through this over the years? 
I mean, I mean do we, is there even? I don't know. I mean, uh, right now we're eight, aren't we? Fifty or something. Uh, I mean, uh, no, really, at some point, you really ought to do like a sort of like a, a We Are the World Whitney High reunion, where just every Whitney High kid, you know, just forever, just all in one room. Just doing some what? are incarcerated. <laughs> well, they can always sing over the telephone, sort of, uh, you know, Master P style or whatever. No, but they're already, pick, they're already picking up the soap, so I don't know if they're going to be singing the same. <laughs> Pee-wee, you're a pistol. <laughs> you, really you, you really are. <laughs> All right. We're gonna get you a morning show. See, I mean, I, I mean, it, well, once you're in jail, you cannot pick up the you cannot pick up the Lever 2000 or whatever soap they use up in jail. <laughs> I am, yeah, I am, be, I am told that. You'd be walking funny. You'd be squealing funny too. Like, be, <laughs> a lot of things. Would like, you <laughs> would you say that Would you say that Pee Wee is the is the comedian of the group, Michael? Uh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so here's a question: How do you? What is the songwriting process for you guys? Who starts with the idea of a song? How does that work? It's a team. It's a team effort. So we we all pitch in. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it can just be anything. Just talk about different things. I mean. Does it start with the lyrics or the music? Uh, First we start with the lyrics, no? Yeah, oh, sorry. With, the, with, an with idea. the lyrics. With the lyrics. I mean, for instance, uh, one song that comes to mind is. Um, I need a beer. Uh, you know, people were talking. So let's write a new song, and people were talking about writing a song about you know their girlfriends or boyfriends mm-hmm. or the Lakers or something. And then Lakers uh, One of the one of the that students said, um, "How about uh, the cow?" The and cow. I, and then I said, "Okay, what about the cow?" Interesting. And is this the song about uh, without a cow? Yeah, or we that yesterday. If there were no cows around, yeah. what is the song? Yeah, life without the cow. life without the cow. Uh, and so then, is this the first tour that you guys have done, or is this, this is the first tour we ever done? I mean, it, it's been fun doing this tour. I mean, but yeah, we, did a, we did a small, um, like three, four <laughs> tour back in '99, uh, up to San Francisco and back with a band called Mr. Bum. And we didn't catch Absolutely, it. because oh, Mike, we were, Sarah and I were just talking about. Uh, at one point, there was a relationship with Ipecac Records or with, yeah, with Mike Patton. The second Ooh. record uh, that we did was on Ipecac. John Patton is on Ipecac. And uh, well, it's you know, I tell you, any group associated with uh, with Mike Patton, really, that's uh, oh, way cooler guy. than I will ever be. Let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, and then, so we should say the show is happening tonight. It is at Backspace, uh, which is right downtown, um, right uh, right by where the Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters Ooh, is. Actually, so um, now we're gonna. She's out of commission now. We gotta. Are we gonna hear a? Are we gonna hear a song or two? Yeah, my yeah. Yeah. All right, what is uh, what are we gonna hear? What's the first song up? Here? I guess I'll do teachers if Michael doesn't mind. I, I mean. I'm dying to do this teacher. I mean, this song. <laughs> I, will, uh, I made my teacher's mad. Michael, as the as the icon, is that the te- is that the song we're going to do here? Sure, that sounds good. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, without further ado, the kids of Whitley High. Thank you very much. Yeah, boy. Let's kick some rear here. I made my teacher's mad. I made my teacher's mad. I wake up every morning, listen to Howard Stern. I think about things that I can trash and burn. Me and my friends make our plans. Bottle rockets at the gym or steal the school van. Yeah. I make my teachers mad. I make my teachers mad. I make my teachers mad. chairs across the room my teacher comes over hits me with the broom rolling dumpsters down the hall I hear my name being called I make my teachers mad 
Jägermeister at one point, but I, I think it's it, it uh, I think a weekender to. took it. Sadly, it's just oh, uh, not available to us. Oh, really? So, oh, but next time. <laughs> and that is uh, tonight, by the way, one fifteen Northwest Fifth Avenue, backspace Ooh, yeah. tonight, eight thirty uh, p.m. And if you want to find out more information online, it's the Kids of Whitney High. That is W I D N E Y. Kids of Whitney High dot com. And I think if we talk about this, you guys are there's a, a film that's being. Uh, it made the documentary that's sort of right now. Uh, I don't know how much the filmmakers sort of want to put themselves in the picture here. Um, but is there's a documentary that I guess is many years in the works or that is ongoing? Yes. Who can speak about that, please? Yeah, there's a, a film that um, is going to be hopefully done by the end of the summer, a documentary, and uh, it's uh, Better Bacon is the name of the outfit. Better Bacon. And uh, they're at BetterBacon.com. Mm. And uh, they've been involved with uh, the kids for a number of years now and uh, have done different kinds of projects, the T-shirt uh, project, small films that uh, also over here. can be seen at the website on uh, kidswithwhitneyhigh.com. Uh, There's some short there films go. that they've done, and then this is kind of the big kahuna. And so uh, when you guys start writing a song, how long does it take a song to come together? You start it? Throw it out of here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, oh, you know, it's, it really varies. You know, sometimes it just can happen in a couple of weeks, and sometimes <laughs> it can take months and months. You know. And is it, the, you know, as the sort of lineup of the band evolves, is it the, the new batch of songs and the old songs sort of... Uh, you know, stay in the past, or do the you know if there's a song that is particularly uh, people like it yeah, and sort of carry forward. Yeah, we're still doing songs. I mean, where's the, the first, song? The first CD that was out, um, we still do three songs. <laughs> do you still do insects? Oh yeah, we do. That yes. was the one we were talking yeah, about yesterday. Actually, yes. Do it. Yeah. Yes. Do it, do it. Like How about we do it? Uh, wait, let's for our second song here. Let's do insects, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, please give your attention to the kids of Whitney High. Okay, speaking to the mic. Oh, okay. okay. Man, watch out for the insect will get you. You better watch out for the insect will get you. Man, 
simply fall in the water, you're in trouble. Spiders will come after you. You better watch out or the insects will get you. You better watch out or the insects will get you. Space 115 Northwest 5th Avenue, 8.30 p.m., and the website is kidsofwhitneyhigh.com. So uh, to all of you, best of continued success in life, in music, and everything. Thank you guys so much. Thank you very much. All right, back after this on the Rick Emerson Show. Stay right there. We will return next. Don't go anywhere. on you. <laughs> I know. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. How surreal was that? That was... It was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> that was... I, I feel like some part of my life is complete, especially getting to hear Insects Live. Which we've been playing forever. I mean, we've been playing that Insect song for 
five years, something like that. So, oh, at least Jesus. Well, there's a lot of this things. This has been the greatest day. Really, I mean, Joey Chestnut and the kids of Whitney High. One day, bam. All right. Wow. Uh, why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's five zero three seven three three. Uh, 970. Rick, hey, go tell one of those kids there's a B on them, uh, says this email. It's 503-733-2970. I think it's really cool, though. Did you see that I got a cool banana shirt? I, well, you know, I got a shirt. I think this shirt's a little too large for me, by the way. Uh, this The kids of Whitney High have their clo- uh, own no clothing line, of course. Um, I am so excited. I'm going to rock my banana shirt tonight. Yeah, mine's uh, mine's too large. I'll have to hang it in the studio next to the Barack Obama shirt. Um, I think it's really cool, by the way, that they sang... I sound like I'm just talking about Kiss. They sang a current song, but then they sang one of the old songs you wanted to hear too. Uh, they did the, the what the uh, the my teacher hates me or whatever, and then they did insects, which is like the closest thing they have to a hit single on this show anyway. Uh, so that was righteous. That was fantastic. That Pee Wee. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I, oh yeah. The, the folks don't know we had to dump him a few times. Yeah, we had to, we had to bleep him at least twice. It was for the poorer, though, because it was hilarious what he was saying, but you just can't it, it say it really, on the air. It really was. And by the way, I'm getting emails from people who were listening online. Oh, so they heard it. Yeah, Seamus is just like, best interview ever. And then he, and then he says what he, he says. says that phrase that Pee Wee used that, that we uh, unfortunately had to, uh, had to dump. All right. This email just says, Pee Wee is the man, uh, says this email. Um this email says, uh, Pee Wee rocks. He is the effing man. Hire that guy right now. He needs to be an honorary member of the Pimp Squad. He does seem like an honorary <laughs> member of the Pimp Squad. Seriously, him and Richie are like brothers. Wow. All right. Um, so what are we doing here? Should we do the top five? Uh, well, we have the top five and more news with uh, Tim Riley. So, um, Tim Riley, if you, are, uh, if you are hearing my voice right now, we should continue with either the news... Or the top five. With the news. Here on Man, we've just Rick been building up to this all day. Isn't it kind of like, oh. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like the rest of the show is downhill or something. But, I mean, man, Whitney High Kids, competitive eaters in one day. I mean, and, and especially because it was all, everything was all, the schedule today was a little crazy. And everything was a little hectic. And um, let's see. Um, he says. Are these guys drinking on the air right now? Did you hear him keep talking about beer? He would just give me a beer. I, okay, I heard beer and I was over here messing around with something. I'm oh. like, are you really drinking a beer over there? Yeah, okay. well, you guys will never know. No, no, you'll, no you'll never know. So, all right. Um, well, I don't know where Tim... Well, this is awkward. I don't... Well, should we just do the top five? I don't know what to do. Well, do you do you have it written out? Yeah, I have it written and... Actually, I have it written on the back of that piece of paper. Well, let me just ask you. Richie here. Um... Hey, Richie, can you uh, let Tim know that uh, we're kind of back on schedule, so we're going to pick up with the news on the top five? I think Pee-wee got a hold of the... Uh, I think Pee-wee got a hold of the... Was intercom. that Richie? I don't know if it was Richie or not. Oh, good. Oh, this is not going to end well. All right. Um, <laughs> do you want me to just knock on Tim's window? Can you do that, please? Yeah, no problem. I wonder if Richie knows that Pee-wee has control of it. Boy, this just seems like a sitcom come to life now. Pee-wee's running amok in the... Hi, everybody. It's Rick. <laughs> Hi, Richie. <laughs> Can you... Uh... I'm recording. Tim is? All right. Uh, Jesus, I don't even know what to do here. Um, let me ask you this, Sarah. Where are we in terms of... Because I, I don't want to start something and then have to sort of... Uh, sort of have to, to break. Where are we break-wise? We're golden. Are we good? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so let's do this. Let's. Uh, do you want to get the Do you want to get the twenty break out of the way now? Yeah, might and as we'll, well come back and we'll do the top five. So here's the thing: we're going to get the twenty break done, and it's a very small break. Yeah, so we're going to be right. We're going to break here. Uh, we'll come back. And we'll do the uh, top five and news with Tim Riley. Like us at three. Like us 101.5. Uh, Michael Mara Show at seven. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show will continue next. Don't go anywhere. Wow. I'm looking at this photo of us with the kids of Whitney. <laughs> what is it bad of us? No, it's, we look great. I mean, everybody looks great. That peewee guy, though, he looks like he's just hooked up to jumper cables. Jim, come check out this photo. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, who will be doing the news for a sec. Check out this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll post this on uh, my space here in a while. Sarah looks beautiful. I look great. Uh, you know. They look Photoshop, but they're not. They're actually real. <laughs> <laughs> they're not Photoshopped, Tim. They are real. Uh, yeah, that peewee guy is a little nutty. Did you do you hear from the moment when I pressed the button looking for Richie on the intercom and that Pee Wee guy answered? <laughs> All right, it was like I it was like I'd pressed the button and it patched me through to some alternate universe. All right, how's everybody doing today? Fine and dandy. Fabulous. It's been a great day. It's been a great day, but boys have been exhausting. Oh, and there's a Timbers game tonight. It just like keeps getting better and better. Wow. And we were all inadvertently filmed for a documentary, which we didn't know. I I look all spotty and. Seriously, uh, I'm wearing. Army cargo shorts and like yeah. a brown sweatshirt. This yeah. is gonna, I'm gonna look hot. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that those filmmakers, holy God, they were attractive. They were good looking. Good looking boys. Good looking go getters. They've been doing that documentary for eight years. Can I tell you, my hair looks fantastic in this picture. Um, That's the best hair you've had for any documentary. Um, really, I'm looking. <laughs> yes, it is. Your hair does look pretty. Good. My hair looks exceptional in this photograph. I wish I had washed my it's hair. Ready for prime time. Yeah, that's okay. I wish I wasn't so spotty. Uh, well, in any event. I just want to take a nap, man. Uh, doesn't, it, doesn't it feel like now, like there's a whole like, yeah, like it's just like the calm after the storm there's here. So much bad music to come though. I'm super excited about it. Uh, oh, because of the top five. Mm-hmm. Well, what can top insects really by the kids of Whitney High? How surreal! I hate to go back to this again, and then we'll do the news. But it, how surreal was it to hear them singing that insect song, which we have played it on the show? It exactly like it too. All over your body, and we're just, it was so weird. And I think they caught us on tape singing along. I probably did it because at one point when they were doing the cool carachas, I, I don't think you caught it, but I looked at you and I jabbed the finger at him. I'm carachas! <laughs> uh, in between one of the many times when I had to dump that pee guy. <laughs> Bunch of potty mouth youngsters. Uh, I heard it in the other room. Yes. Yes, I heard it right here. Oh, did you hear it pre-dump in there, Tim? Oh, I certainly Oh, yeah, did. he gets the closed circuit feed. Very uh, oh. healthy help uh, as far as teenage kids go, I would imagine. Mm. How old are they, would you imagine? Well, they're high schoolers, I guess. I kind of wanted to ask, yeah, but I wasn't sure. Because oh, I, I can't... They're speaking the way any high school... A childlike enthusiasm for music, though. Yeah, my friend has, like, a, a two-year-old kid, and it could be, like, 12, or it could be eight. I can never tell the age of can never strangely yeah. ageless. Uh, well, they are harmless. All right. Ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I can't get over how good I look in this photo. Hey, everybody. I am looking good. Are you serious? I'm just, I so rarely do I look good. You know me. So rarely do I look at a photograph and go, I look great. Because, you know. You do it all the time. That's not true. That's a lie. 
See, you You've just been babbling about your, your medical hair restoration. I saw my hair before and it was so bad. Now look how good my hair looks. Wow. See, also the listener party photo. Well, I can't stop looking at myself. Look how good I look in that picture. That's the best picture of me ever taken. I do say that a lot, don't you I? You say it a lot. You're very... Yes. Damn, I'm handsome. So what All do you right. need to shrink for, really? What? What do you need to shrink for? It? I, I have if a, you think of yourself in that manner. That's you true. self-esteem. I, my self-image is fine. Hot dog, you're cured. Ah, excellent, wonderful. All it took was hair and a photo with the kids of Whitney High. I'm perfect. Ugh, I just need to take a nap. Did I mention that? Here's Tim Riley. All right. Well, some employers of a Longview business chased down and tied up a metal thief. The cops had called to the Chinook Ventures area. And they found Stephen Paul Hayek of Milwaukee tied up in the bed of a pickup truck. He was unhurt. Investigators uh, think he was hiding on the site for at least two days and had two other suspects trying to steal scrap metal. They found his ID after a similar report of trespassing. He's charged with burglary and methamphetamines. Uh, let's see here. Oh, a man has been sucked out of a fast-moving bus onto a highway. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, this bus is traveling about 60 miles an hour on State Road 40 near Orlando, Florida. Orlando where, Tim? Florida. Damn it. <laughs> so one of the passengers leans over to speak to the driver. The door comes open, and he fell out onto the roadway. He oh. was actually sucked out of the bus at a speed of 60 miles an hour. Wait, let me understand, <laughs> let me understand this. He's on. How did, He opened the door and leaned out? Apparently, the door, for some reason, opened when he was leaning over to ask the bus driver a question. And he was sucked out of the bus due to the wind speed. They rented the bus for a birthday party. There may have been some drinking. <laughs> Happy birthday. There, there may have been some drinking, but, but no laws are broken. So he's leaning over to ask the bus driver a question from where? Where is he at in the bus, do you think? I, I guess he's next to where the door is. But that doesn't make any sense. There's no seats there. Well, this is a special bus. And they're made to where you can consume uh, alcoholic beverages, just like a recreational vehicle. <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh. Party goers are shocked over the incident. <laughs> they were pretty upset. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Worst part. <laughs> who would say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, what? Well, who would assume that they would be lying to us? Like, You're not to lie. Damn it. I demand a straight story here. Is everybody crazy today? Yes. Is everybody yes. crazy this week? Yes. Yes. And right. we'll be next week. Yes, and we'll be. Do you feel and often... we'll continue to come here every day just to wallow in it. Can I Can I ask you all a question? Do you sometimes, the three of us, do you feel like we are the sane ones and everybody around us is nutty? No, I know no. you're insane. I'm not insane. No. You're insane. <laughs> Quit looking at me! Normal people are boring to work with. I guess. But, I mean, sometimes, you know, you feel like we're all a little mental in here. Yeah. But then you have a day like, you know, yesterday or the day before today... And just, it seems like we are just, like, there's just insanity swirling around us all the time. Sometimes I feel like we're in the studio and there's some sort of collective mental collapse happening outside and we're sort of barricaded in here, like, against the crazy of the world, which is, it's just a sensation I have more and more often these days. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, that's true. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> is set to star in Sherlock Holmes. It'll be his first blockbuster since the Iron Man. And uh, let's see, who is directing this? Guy Ritchie. And he's directed this one more. Really? Movies. Yeah. Uh, Downey uh, committed to the pick that begins shooting in October after Richie uh, turned in a polish of the latest version of the script, which is written by Anthony Peckham. Uh, let's see here. He emerged as an action star in Iron Man, and Sherlock Holmes will also take advantage of his physical skills as the character displays brawn as well as brains. <laughs> you just... <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the rumors are flying around the set for the next cast of Dancing with the Stars. The New York Daily News reports that producers of the ABC uh, two-step in competition are considering 
pairing openly gay former NSYNC singer Lance Bass with another man to dance with. Oh, my God. Oh. Now I've heard everything. Yes. The <laughs> cast of Season 7 of Dancing with the Stars has not yet been revealed and won't be until mid-August. Are they pairing him with another straight but with a gay man or a straight man? Well, there are rumors of both. Because you know what that could lead to. Mm-hmm. I think we all no. know. You know. No. You know. Oh, by the way, I was talking about there's the three Emerson Streets. Apparently, Emerson Street crosses Gay Avenue. It says, oh, Rick, yeah. you totally need your photo taken at the corner of Emerson and Gay. <laughs> I'm completely doing that. That's going to be my space pick. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. I guess we do a taser. I, we've just got we've got so much news and we have gotten to so little of it today. And I apologize to you from the deepest place, Tim Levin. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry your pretty little head, Rick Emerson. Did you get the feeling that Pee Wee guy might have already been drunk? I mean, he kept asking for beer, but do you get the feeling he might have already had a few beers on the way here somehow? No, no, I think that's the way he is all the time. <laughs> well, he has to be older because he, him and his lady said they were dating for 10 years. Yes, well, I... Okay, that's true. I never really put that together in my so head. So he's the member that they keep on keeping. He's 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 the... Um... I wonder if it has, like, bio... Like... Maybe it's like with the Drifters. There's like the one original Drifter, and then there's like a bunch of other Drifters. He's the Mike Love of, of the kids of Whitney. Hi. Did you see this T-shirt he made, Tim? No. He made oh, I got two T-shirts, Tim. He made it. Of course, it's a double X, so he, I'm not He sure. made it himself? I uh, I think he designed it, and apparently he wrote the little notes that go with it. So we'll read this here in a minute. Here's your taser watch. This comes to, uh, to us from Waukesha. It seems like we get a story from there every other day. Waukesha is the new Florida, I think. A North Prairie man who posted a video on the YouTube of him and his father stunning each other with stolen police tasers has received two years in prison. Paul Crowell uh, pled guilty to possession of an electric weapon for an incident that occurred on the morning of January 1st. He came into contact with an East Troy police officer in Walworth County after his vehicle was found in a ditch. He, uh, in an attempt to keep him warm while the officer intervened uh, Crowell's passengers, allowed him to sit in a squad car where he took the taser by reaching under the cage. It wasn't until she dropped him off at a gas station that she noticed the taser missing from the vehicle. The taser was recovered in Waukesha County. Police learned of the video on the YouTube, a popular video-sharing website, from a 16-year-old girl who uh, logged on to it. Crowell's father, Paul, of the town of Waukesha, also pled guilty for possession of an electronic weapon. He used to be sentenced uh, in August. There's your taser watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. So I'm looking at this shirt Every, that Pee Wee made for me. What goes in your head? Every time I look at that banana shirt, I think... I am a banana. I'm a banana. This shirt is huge. This is like a nightgown. There's no way I can wear this. All right. I'll hang it on the wall next to the Barack Obama shirt. Someone we used to work with would fit that nicely. Ed Till? No. I'm not... Christina Carlson? She may at this point. We haven't seen her in many years. <laughs> <laughs> she she does live in Bend. <laughs> uh, wait, didn't we find out that she had a bunch of kids or something by now? 
I think we made that up, and then we began to believe it. <laughs> we do that with almost everything. Like everything on this show, we just fabricated it and then repeated the lie until it became truth. All right. Well, okay. Here's Tim Riley. A theft of a local hospital has led detectives to an accused sex abuser, police think, oh. who passed himself off as a doctor. Uh, the investigation started in May when a man called a 92-year-old victim on the phone to say he was conducting phone physicals or home physicals. <laughs> phone physical. Phone physical. I'll need you, I need you to take off your pants. I need you to insert this phone. <laughs> I'm trying I to mean, what is a phone physical? I'm trying to be a respected journalist here. How's that working? I <laughs> very well. <laughs> what would you I, think? I get calls and job offers from all over this country, and I just turn them down every day. I, I, I can't answer all the calls that I get for, for offers to move up to the national and network levels. Please, please, I'm happy where I am. Call someone else. So the investigation started in May when a man called a 92-year-old victim on the phone saying he was conducting home physicals. Investigators... Investigators used surveillance pictures captured at a grocery store. After the suspect picked up the victim and headed to her southeast Portland home, the abuse took place. Ugh. Oh, this woman's 92 years That's old. That's just horrible. Ugh. So arrested is 44-year-old Kenneth Eugene Sinclair. Uh, the suspect uh, matched the description who committed sim similar crimes in the is past. It, is the arrest? Is it, is it like? Is it he was arrested for theft at a local hospital. Was it an arrest followed by a beating in an alley somewhere? I would hope. Well, the man that told one victim his name was Michael Anderson. He was from Seattle, and he was living with his girlfriend on Southeast Halsey. And nobody questioned it. Well, of course. Well, it is Southeast Portland. All right, there you go. Well, uh, he'll get his. Yes. <laughs> he'll get, he'll get his in the shower, as I'm sure Pee Wee would be happy to describe. Jesus. All right. Are we not taking a commercial break here? Uh, we already took our break, so we're going to do like a couple more, and then we'll do the top five. All right. Well, a convicted felon with a history of burglary and vehicle theft is on the loose after escaping a maximum security facility in Tillamook County. The Oregon Department of Corrections and Crime Stoppers are asking for your help to find 38-year-old Donald Andrew Bennett, who was serving a three-year sentence at the South Fork Forest Camp. He's been missing from camp since June 29th. Why do they send a, a criminal to summer camp? I don't really know. What are you supposed to teach there? Horseshoes? <laughs> Lanyard making and garroting. Hula hoops. <laughs> He's from the Portland area and is a member of the European King Cred game. Apparently that's a white supremacist group of some kind. He's a white man. Okay. He is six feet tall, 180. He has a shaved head, brown eyes, and possible goatee. He looks like millions of people. He has a numerous tattoos on his arms, legs. So they're looking for Dan Bosick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this just in. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so Crime Stoppers is offering a $1,000 reward. A whole $1,000. That's more than $200 for information leading to offended <laughs> capture. Anyone for I can make $1,000. What about $200? No, no, no. This is more than that, Sarah. Well, how would you get there? Like, what road would you take to get there? Would I? Never mind. What, what road would you take to get where, Sarah? Nowhere. Here's Tim Riley. I don't know what we're speaking about <laughs> here. What? <laughs> Let's do one more, shall we? Richie, are you Richie? Are you here? Are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at these phones and uh, these calls, and uh, I don't know. Are these people I should be talking to? Sure, why not? Let's see what they dropped to. Yeah, catch it up. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick's here, Tim. How you doing? What's Hello. up? Hey, I just called to see if you're maybe talking about it. Are you, you going to the Foo Fighters tonight? Oh, no, that Whitney High show is happening tonight, sir. Oh, no, well, I'm just screwing with you. Um, no, I uh, I didn't even realize the Foo Fighters were tonight. I thought it was next week for some reason. No. I'm so grossly out of touch. Uh, probably not then. No, I mean, I do like the Foo Fighters, but clearly not enough to have registered the fact that they were playing tonight. So probably not. Okay. All right. Well, uh, was, Were you just calling to inquire about my social schedule? Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, what is that Foo Fighters song that has that the repeated line about um, that, what, down, down, and on to the next one? That would be um, all night long. I've been searching for something. something yeah. Now, what is the name of that song? I'm working to it. Something never come, but it's getting close. Closer to the prize that it is today. All night long, it's been busy today. When it comes around, it's busy On and on? On to the next one? You're just bluffing. You don't know. <laughs> no, You've given I... me no more information than I had 30 <laughs> seconds ago. Hold on. Keep singing. Keep singing. Sing your way through it. Do it now. <laughs> Damn it. That's going to bug me. It's called All My Life. Oh, my see, why did you just throw him a rope? <laughs> because all right. I felt bad for him. I love that song. That's a great That's a great song. Every time I hear that, I go, yeah. And then, uh, you know, then I forget I forget to, like, go buy it or something. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Later. Enjoy the show. Well, do. That's why I Foo Fighters was when Pat's... Pat Smear? Okay, I didn't know. What's yeah. his name? Patrick Smear? When Patrick Smear was still playing, that was an amazing show. It was um, for Endfest when I was in yeah. high school. I have never seen the Foo Fighters. I always wanted they put, to. They put on an amazing show. You know, the thing about the Foo Fighters is you sort of take them for, or maybe I take them for granted, because they're just, they, every, like every year, the Foo Fighters put out a record, and it's good, and it has some good singles on it. They, you know what? They're a good, solid, dependable, sort of hard alternative rock band. Uh, so, and that song that guy was just singing there badly, uh, that is, uh, that's a great song. Oh, that's me. No, I mean, I'm not trying to be fun. I'm just saying he couldn't come up with it. Like he was, he was totally bluffing at the title, but, um, you know, anyway, so there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do the top five. Let's do the top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Ugh. Wonderful counting is wow. well as counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happy. I did enjoy Tim's facial expressions while the guy was going na 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 on the phone just now though. So let's begin. <laughs> A radio show done by children. These are the top five songs from Sarah Dillon's thirteenth birthday party on October ninth. <laughs> 1993. From your cotillion. <laughs> yeah. These are just on rotation. <laughs> the HM is uh, Soul Asylum and Runaway Train. Really? Yes. Oh, I love this song. Right. This is a great song. Makes you want to run away this from home. This video made me so sad. Ooh, it's playing Six video. years. Well, they should do a follow-up to this, don't you think? Yeah. Except that you know they found none of them. That, that, that sounds like something VHM would do, like an hour-long special. Where are these missing children now? Still missing. Poorly. <laughs> Just a pile of bones. <laughs> I, I can believe this for a 13th birthday party. The parents all gathered, okay, kids, sing along. <laughs> this doesn't really sound like a 13th birthday party. This wasn't at my birthday party. This is from the Billboard track. No, from when you turn 13. The, yeah, first they... per, the first person to sing Runaway Train gets extra ice cream. <laughs> uh... 
No, because I thought I, I was not feeling very clever in my wording of the top five. So this is from the Billboard charts that has happened to be on my birthday. So, so October the, 9th. The day you turn 13, these happen to be the top five songs. Yes. This is a great song. This is a great album, too, Grave Dancers Union. Yeah, I think a follow-up video might be um, a bad idea now that I think about it. Bad. This is a great song. This guy's got a great voice, and they also had a wonderful album called uh, Soul Asylum and the Horse They Rode In On. That was really good, too. I wonder what Steven Turner is doing now. Balding. He's still kind of hot. Sitting around wishing Winona hadn't dumped him. He looks too dirty, though. I don't like a little bit. I like I like him a little bit dirty. He but... looks authentically dirty. Yeah. He had that weird, you know, the he had the quintessential 80s look, though, the jeans and then the oversized ripped T-shirt. And they have those weird skinny white man dreadlocks going on. Mm-hmm. But they weren't even dreadlocks. It was like his hair had turned to straw or something. Oh, this is the baby snatching part. I hate this part. Do you remember Kidnapped. the video? Um, the, I remember seeing them play this and Somebody to Shove on SNL. What a great song that is. I, did, uh, I, I do remember this video. Weird Al Yankovic does a great parody of this video. I forget the song, but there's a Weird Al thing where instead of, like, missing children, it's like missing, it's like missing celebrities. Rodney Allen Rippey, since 1979. All right. It's uh, number five, Tim. Number five is the meatloaf. I would do anything for love. You just find a reason to play this every three weeks. What are you talking about, Rick? This is from my birthday. I run out of observations to make about this song. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about this song. I would do I'm done. I have nothing more to say about this. Tim, what do you have to say about this song? Sounds like Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> it really does. I never thought about that. I can totally hear Bambi Lipsing come to my window. <laughs> Jesus. Come on, Rick. You're going to talk every day. You can find a new observation about me, though. Uh, um... Well, I heard a bootleg from 1978 of him in the original Bad Out of Hell tour at Hammersmith Odeon. Uh-huh. Hey, guess what? He couldn't sing that either because it sucks. Bad, bad, bad. Everything, everybody's great but him. So I don't think it's an aberration. I think he was good in the studio and bad live always. Because that 1978 Bad Out of Hell bootleg, he's terrible sounding. And he was well, he's all, it's not all about him. It's, it's more just about Jim Steinman. It's the composition. Jim Steinman's a genius. It is the composition. You are right about that. I would say I, I appreciate Jim Steinman more than I do. I like Jim Steinman's versions of Meatloaf songs more than I like Meatloaf's okay. versions. Okay. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, no, I'm I with you on that. I thought you said you didn't like Jim Steinman's voice. No, I do. It's, I love, I'll listen to Bad for Good. And I just classically speaking, he doesn't have a good a voice as Meatloaf does, but I prefer his voice. You know, musicologists would say it's not as good, but I, I prefer Jim Steinman's versions of these songs. Because mm-hmm. he sells it. Wouldn't you agree, Tim? Yes, yes. How much do you wish you were done and gone right now? No, I enjoy the music. <laughs> I love it here. I'm never leaving. I refuse to go home. I demand to stay here and work around the clock until I'm dead like a Toyota worker. Here's Tim Riley. So the number four song for the birthday party is Janet Jackson and If. Oh, I don't like this song. Wait, or do I? Don't I? Either. I remember the bit. If this was the If I Was Your Girl and the Things I'd Do For You. Is that this? This isn't that song. No, this is this is a totally different song. So this is when she's like all, like her hot comeback. I remember. Um, this is not the right. If is a slow ballad. No, it's not. Oh, you're thinking the bread version. 
<laughs> That's a different song entirely. No, this is If I Was Your Girl and the Things I Do You, but I'm not, so I can't, and I won't If I Was Your Girl. I think. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was If I Never Fall In Love Again. Isn't that Janet Jackson? Are you singing, are, are we, you singing I'll Never Fall In Love With You Again? Maybe. That's again. What? I came out the same time. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. So confusing. This is what people dance in big warehouses. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ecstasy. It is. <laughs> the video. Oh, okay. I am confusing this with again. Yeah. Okay. Again, that beautiful man in that video. Is that the one with the shiny black man on the beach? No, no, no. No, that's Escapade. This is the one where she's in like a coffee shop thing and she's wearing all the neutral colors and she's really pretty in it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, then. Tim Riley. Number three, Billy Joel, The River of Dreams. Oh, God. Wow, do I hate this song. I hate this song. I hate everything on this album. This is the same album that had that terrible lullaby song of his, right? I don't know. Oh, God, this video. It's him dancing on a bridge. Like. This is him wishing he was Peter Gabriel. That's what, that's what this is him doing. What year is this? It's supposed to be 93, but it sounds like the line sleeps tonight. 1993. I would swear to God that I remember people singing this when I was in high school. Which would have been 91. Well, maybe it came out earlier. I think it did. It must have charted later. Well, all the good tunes are released in Kennewick earlier than the rest of the Seriously, you're talking about Kennewick, dude. I just have this memory because it was like this douchebag guy that I hated. And he always used to sit next to me and sing this song. That's what I remember. I forget his name, but he was this douche that I despised. And he would sing this song always. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, whatever. Yeah, in Kennewick, we get secret early access to the songs and everything. Oh, did I mention I have to go to stupid Kennewick? Uh, not this coming weekend, but, like, next weekend? I'm going to Bremerton, not this weekend, but next weekend. It's my high school reunion. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to talk more about that. Yeah. Can we be done with this song? Sure. Number two, the tag team and whoop. There it is. Party people! Kill me. Kill me. Dude, have you um seen that new Flavor Flav show on TV? He's on a sitcom called oh, yeah. Under One Roof. Oh, yeah. Wow. They advertised that show right here on this radio station. It was a fine program. It's, thank you. Be good save. Does he still wear that clock around his neck? Oh, not only the clock, Tim, but he has like hair that's straight up to about here, but it's like it's combed. He's got Don King's hair, basically, yeah. yeah. You know, this is no Adam's Family Whoop. That was really their finest moment, oh. Adam's Family Whoop. But they do what they want. No, no, no. You're thinking of, of, thinking of the Hammer song. Tag Team did Adam's Family Whoop, which was on the Adam's Family Value soundtrack. Is that a bleep? Yeah. All right, okay. That was a radio edit. All right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley. The number one song of Sarah Dillon's 13th birthday party is Mariah Carey, Dream Lover. She is an old lady, if you think about it, how long yeah. she's been around. Yeah. She looks like... Does she's she... a hag. Yeah. Yep. I mean, she's shaped like a brick now. Well, she just... <laughs> <laughs> and she married some, like, 21-year-old Disney boy? <laughs> I don't even think they ever admitted that, though. 
I don't think they've ever even... Of, like, some magazine. Really? Like, in love. You totally nailed it, though. Yeah, the, she fought gravity, and then gravity won. There's nothing alluring about her. No. Dress her up any way they want, but she's still a brick wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, the greatest newsman ever. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through, like us. I don't have anything to say about this I remember shopping at the BP at Nordstrom when I lived in See Seattle. Like the, um, the BP when I lived in Seattle mm-hmm. and at the, at the Northgate Mall. The nexus of fashion there. And this would always be playing. It was all Mariah Carey and all Janet Jackson. I can totally terrible. see this playing in a clothing store. Like when you're at the uh, Rave clothing store or whatever that place is, mm-hmm. you know, in, in you know 1993. When you're Mr. Rags. I specifically remember hearing the song and like I go to BP and I can only buy like one thing because it was so expensive and I didn't have very much moolah. So I'd like save up all month for like to buy a hat. <laughs> I get one as free t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this is like as the guy at Zoomies is trying to get you to buy a value card. No dude, you get 5% off your next purchase. Hey, somebody just sent me a photograph of the corner of Emerson and Gay. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I love people. Are you going to go see the kids of Winnie Mae tonight? What's today? Thursday. Probably not. I want to, but the timbers game. This says, hey, Rick, you just made uh, seven observations about Janet Jackson, all of which were wrong. Well done. Also, best top five ever. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Rick, River of Dreams was the first CD I ever bought. I was 10. Now, it gives me douche chills. Serious douche chills. <laughs> what does that even mean? I think you know what it means. No, I don't. Me either. <laughs> Can we be done with this? Douche chills? Douche chills. All right, shall we take this into our last break? Can we, please? Back after this, uh, we'll do uh, phone calls till the top of the hour. If you'd like to get... It's been a busy day. We've had almost no time for phone calls today. Uh, so if you would like to get on board, here is your chance to do it. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Back after this. Wow. What a, what a day. What a week. It's not even Friday. we got another day. day of the show to do. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I'm spent. Hey, did you get that email from... Uh... Maybe I shouldn't say this on the air. You can do it. Did you get that email from Byron Beck? Yeah. Wait, so so wait, did we go there and find out if we won? Yeah, I guess so. So we have to go to a thing. I thought that the website said that the winners are going to be on June 11th. I think they probably meant July 11th, so it'll probably be tomorrow. Because it's a Friday tomorrow. Wait, and so then, but... And then are we, invited, even if we're losers, are we invited? Who yeah, this is, is the thing that we went to last year, Rick. We're always invited to that. Remember I brought you there and they have all, they had all those, those free sparkling waters that were really gross and you were drinking those and I was drinking all the free beer and we were hanging out there. Is that what that was? It was yeah, the best was of Portland? Weaver and Heather. Yeah. All right. So what qualifies you to get invited? I mean, it's like you just have to be... Media. Oh, okay. Oh, and, so we're invited like, because we're the media. Yeah. All right, okay. I mean, because I was invited last year. All right. I'm just, I just, I just, and like Brad the car guy. And I, don't those know, I don't know if it was what was going on or not. All right, so in any event. All, all right. I know it's free beer. All right, excellent. Uh, if you would like to uh, sneak up before the end of the program, now is your chance. It is 503 733 2970. 503 733 
2970. We'll do uh, some phone calls and whatnot till the top of the hour. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak now, please. Hi. Uh, hey. Hello. Hey, hey. I was imagining poor little Sarah as a 13-year-old wandering around Silverdale Mall being eyeballed by sub-based banger sailors. <laughs> by, oh, the, by, the banger said the name of the um, the Navy base. Oh, I yeah, see. Oh. Not, not bang her, but banger. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I know. Sure we were good on that one. Whenever anyone talks about like men in their navy whites, it just I just because well, your dad was in the navy. Yeah, my dad was in the navy, and then plus I've lived in navy towns where there are like creepy sailors. Just yeah, like, so was my dad. My dad was at Subbase Manger. That's how I know. So yeah. you know I used the... to eyeball you, Sarah. <laughs> so you know the you know the sad reality behind the uh, behind the sexy illusions, Sarah. That yeah, really exactly. Oh, All I right. wanted to say, Rick, yes, you're, you're you're hella bomb, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Bye yeah, bye. All right. That was awesome. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Yes, this is Matt Houston. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, by the way, got to reiterate, Scotty J. Blue and uh, Richie Bristol rule. Really? Can we give it up to Richie Bristol today? Do you realize he not only got us, and I, I should clarify something I said earlier. I don't mean to, it might have sounded, I didn't mean to sound overly snarky when I was talking about the Joey Chester guy's blowing off Mike Chase. Because, you know, we know Mike. I'm just no, saying. Mike's a buddy of ours. I'm just saying, I am, it, it's not really that they didn't go there. I am gratified that, that they made the time to come talk to us, though, because apparently they didn't show up on at, at Mike's show. And I guess they wouldn't call the guys at Charlie back because, and this is a point I really do want to reiterate. Uh, that the radio station, Charlie, actually started calling our front desk here, trying to talk to us so they could get our booking info for our guests. So, um, But Richie got us, Joey Chestnut, and the Lefevre, you know, that couple, uh, and then he also got us the kids of Whitney High, and really let's... Who have never been on the radio. Who have never been on the radio, and Richie was to some degree in charge of sort of uh, wrangling and corralling uh, many special needs children and a bunch of adults. Well, and plus, I mean, that teacher, too. I mean, he must be used to just, like, a-holes at radio stations being like, hey, let's get a bunch of, you know, mentally challenged people sure. on the air. Make fun of them. Make fun of them, yeah. So, yeah, in any event. Um, yes, sir, hello. Yeah, so, anyway, Richie rules. Anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that uh, dumb River of Dreams thing yeah. that you played. Well, just so you know, if, if earlier in the day, you were uh, you were wondering something, and, and do you know who designed the cover? Who did the cover art for that record? Christy Brinkley. Yeah. So I was I, just guessing. Really? Yeah. So so if you're ever wondering what Christy Brinkley has ever contributed to the world, she she drew a dumb looking cover to a really crappy record. I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. All right. Five zero three. I love Yusuf's trivia. I like that. I do indeed. Uh, we're doing calls till the top of the hour. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah, I made um, Tim Ryan my desktop background. I wonder if he has a new picture out because it's scaring my girlfriend. And this is uh, which picture are you currently the using? Radio one? I'm using that old one that's like he looks like a scary looking goth kid or something like that. They're like kind a of. You talking about the one that was? This is the one that was on my website. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Does and he so, have a new one out yet? Because he can't be attracting any business with that. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> uh, you would think so. Uh, by the way, did you see on my space page? There's the greatest uh, photo uh, that his girlfriend took. Because a that photo in inex- the dog. No, not do we ever get those photographs of him rolling around nude with yeah, the dog? Yeah, she didn't. Say, I think she kind of chickened out the last thing. Uh, she gave me. She sent me one that was just them sleeping. You know how she uh, she says that he is constantly taking photos of himself. Oh, he always is. She got a photo of him as he was taking a photo of himself. 
Oh, uh, and that's if you go to my uh, if you go to Rick Emerson or I'm sorry to myspace dot com slash Rick Emerson, there is a photograph of Timmy Ryan taken as he is taking a photograph of himself. Oh, it's genius. I see it. Yeah, it's wonderful. So he does, he does look book. like one of those narcissistic like um, drama kids from yes. high school. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, he's gonna, totally self-involved. He's going to join us uh, briefly week, on the right? show to, uh, and oh. briefly on the show tomorrow to share something with us. Sweet, I'm calling in tomorrow, man. I got to talk to Timmy. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Oh, he's making his little tough guy face. We'll uh, we'll end it there. God, what a day. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Dick Giuliano, Steve Kastenbaum, and Ed McCarthy. Our apologies to Jim Rupa got bumped today. We also want to thank Joey Chestnut, uh, as well as uh, Rich and Carlene Lefevre, uh, and, of course, uh, the kids of Whitney High, who are going to be at Backspace tonight at 8.30. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for AM 970. Uh, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Richard Bristol. The gatekeeper's Dave's in. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Uh, Director of Engineering, Brian Jones, and CBS Radio Portland Market. Guru Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. Like us next. Like us 101 at 5. Michael Merritt, 7 Seal tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Bye now. Uh.